Dolphins, and here we go again. Another losing season that's never gonna end. Yes. They never win, they never will, and I will never know why Sports Illustrated picked them to win the Super Bowl. And they're <laughs> Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins number. How many teams in the league? 32. Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins, the same old story, nothing new. The Dolphins are such losers, they really are quite lame. Uh-huh. I knew it from the very start, I watched the Pittsburgh game. And did you see the wimpy way Nick Saban threw that flag? Standing on the sidelines, he looked just like a fag. And there the fair. Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins number. How many teams in the league? 32. Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins, their problems stick to them like glue. Absolutely. The Dolphins lost to Buffalo and then beat Tennessee. It's only by sheer luck that they pulled out a victory. And then they played the Texans. It almost made me sick. That stupid two-point pass play, that fumbling onside kick. And they're the (laughs) Miami Dolphins. Miami Dolphins. Miami Dolphins number. How many teams in the league? Miami Dolphins. Miami Dolphins, Poland Omari needs new shoes, I'm dying out of here. The Dolphins can't control the ball, their running game is flat. As for their execution, well, I'd agree with that. They're always gonna blow a lead of that, you can be sure. And when they leave the field, so has the stench of cow manure. And they're the Miami Dolphins. Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins number. How many teams in the league? Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins. Give them another shot of blue. The Dolphins have no strategy. They play like idiots. Another couple games lost to the Patriots and Jets. I think they're all retarded. It's almost like they're cursed. Ask Jason Taylor and Zach Thomas which team is the worst. And they'll say, Miami Dolphins, uh-huh. Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins number. Oh, what the hell? 32. Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins. Now they're what their uh, motto is now, Nick Saban's motto for the rest of the season? Hmm? Stay the course. Oh. <laughs> anyway, it's 10 4 at 560 WQM. Enough about that crap. Okay, I mean, what's the point? they got to buy this week. They will not lose this weekend. Let's hear it. Oh. To the fish. They will not lose. Too bad about those Tigers last night. Boy, why didn't they show up? Anybody interested in the World Series? No. No. Here's the poll from yesterday. Which best describes the UM football program? Speaking of sports, and you know that new morning show we got, the Kenny and Bo morning show? Yeah, what about it? It's a sports show. Anyway, getting back, which best describes the UM football program? 1,539 votes of no interest to me, 494. Of no interest to me, mm-hmm. 32%, almost a third. 
It's a disgrace, 324. Of course, we already knew that going in. A dynasty, 185. Talk about living in the past. A joke, 145. Thugs, 139. Thugs did very well. I hate this poll, 94. It's exciting, 86. And boring, UM football, 72. There you go. George has no interest. He couldn't care. He just That's wishes what I voted. He wishes they would just all stop playing with these balls, is what he wishes. Oh, just cut the crap. crap. Got nothing to do with me. Stop already. Okay, here's today's poll, thanks to a listener who uh, faxed it in. What do Americans do better than anyone else in the world? we got 974 votes already, and our goal is 1,000. I think we can do it. Don't you? Oh, yeah. Americans do it better than anybody else. Spend money on crap. 277. Stay stupid, 167. Stay out of the loop, stay uninformed, stay as stupid as you possibly can be. That's the American effing way, man, 167. Deny reality, 141. Make war, 93. Kill, 60, uh, 76. Pollute, 55. Waste time, 46. Movies, 39. Screw, 31. I can't say the F word. No. Can I? Uh, screw, 31. I'm sorry, make love, 31. Prove. Excuse me. Uh, party, get intoxicated, 18. Medicine, 13. Lie, 13, and drive badly, 8, out of 980. I would think drive badly, especially in South Florida, would do better than that. Although I will say this, in Italy they drive worse. Yeah. In Rome? Oh, my. Well, what do you mean, yeah? How, how do you know? I hearing stories from all over Europe. Where have you been? You. You say it. Everyone, else, the worst. everyone that's been there says it. The worst. Even worse than in Massachusetts. Huh? Cinquanta banane. <laughs> anyway, I can't get that out of my mind. Just shut up already, okay? Hit the machine and shut up. Man, some of these people. Alleged victim of priest who fondled Foley sues Miami Archdiocese. You see this? There's another one. And I'm sure that where there's another one, there's another one, there's um, a bunch more. Wow, they better pass the plate again. Like a bunch of bananas. Cinquanta banane. A Catholic priest who admitted fondling former Congressman Mark Foley four decades ago and who said he liked it has another alleged victim, a former altar boy, who will sue the Archdiocese of Miami today. So maybe he didn't like it. Maybe he didn't enjoy it. The accuser identified as John Doe number 26 in his lawsuit claims the Reverend Anthony Mercier. See, now they keep pronouncing this guy's name all different kinds of ways. It, to me, it looks like Mar Mercieca, but they don't, nobody says that. Okay. Anyway, the lawsuit claims that the Reverend allegedly performed oral sex on him in the late 1970s at St. James Church in North Miami. At the time, the accuser said he was between the ages of 12 and 13. Too young, Pops. Too young. And the board goes back. Now 40, he alleges the sex abuse incident occurred in a room at the parish on a Saturday after the altar boy practice and a bike ride with Merchieka, according to his lawyer, Jeffrey Herman. The priest told him not to talk about it with anyone, said Herman, who's holding a press conference at 11.30 this morning in his law office in Aventura. When Merchieka asked him on another occasion to go for another bike ride, the boy said no and never came back to the church. Merchieka, now living on a Mediterranean island, isn't it Malta? Yes was pushed into the spotlight of scandal a week ago when Foley disclosed his name to Palm Beach County prosecutors as the priest who molested him in the mid-1960s when he was an altar boy at Sacred Heart Church in Lake Worth, and he enjoyed it. He liked it. He wanted it. In fact, isn't that what the... Didn't the priest have it on tape? Mm-hmm. He said... I wanted it. Yeah. Crap. Okay. <laughs> oh. In interviews with a handful of news organizations last week from his home on Gozzo, near Sicily, Gozzo, Careful how you say that. Uh -huh. uh, Merciaka 69 admitted touching Foley and swimming nude with him while he was a priest at Sacred Heart. Cinquanta banane. That's how many bananas he's touched. Merciaka served there between 1966 and 67 when Foley was then 12 and 13. I guess that's his age, you know. Everybody's got an age. His is 12 and 13. In an October 19th broadcast interview with CBS's Katie Couric, Merciaka denied he was sexually involved with any other minor. No, never, he responded when asked by lightweight Katie. 
Foley uh, did this and this one did that and bada beep, bada boop. Church officials said they were not aware of any previous sexual abuse complaints brought against the Pops. 12 to 13. A little bit young, Papa. Okay, you better start changing your altitude about that. Yeah. Speaking of that, maybe this is maybe this is a good excuse for the father. And, of course, this story is like, it's like saying, uh, you know, the sun is shining somewhere today. It's kind of silly. Researchers at the Kinsey Institute for Research in Sex, Gender, and Reproduction at Indiana University say most men are always thinking of... Sex? Right. I mean, isn't this profound? Isn't this shocking? I'm shocked Not, and amazed, yeah. yeah. A study released yesterday in the journal Proceedings of the National Academy of Scientists found that 54% of men and 19% of women admit they think about sex every day or several times a day in a society where they're bombarded with subconscious erotic images. That hasn't got a damn thing to do with it. No. Scientists at the University of Minnesota found sexy subliminal images competed for attention in the brain even when the images were not before a subject's eyes and most people are not consciously aware of them, ABC News reports. Well, what does that mean? Well, what does that mean? Sexy subliminal images competed for attention in the brain. Researchers also found sexual orientation often determines how the brain reacts to erotic images. Heterosexual uh, women, for example, were more tuned into pictures of naked men, the same reaction exhibited by homosexual men. But homosexual women were equally attuned to naked images of both sexes, the report said. Lesbians. Well, did that make you feel a lot better about life? Let's hope for you. Sure. Heterosexual women were more tuned into pictures of naked men, the same reaction exhibited by homosexual men. Now, pictures just, uh, like I told you before, uh, eh, I think into pictures. I think you get to a certain point in life where pictures just uh, don't cut it no more. You know what I'm saying? Well, it's worth a thousand words. A thousand bucks? Which isn't to say that I haven't seen some pictures that I would, you know, think to myself, well, where can that uh, person sure. be found? You know, like, where, where's that one hanging it out? But nevertheless, let's not start getting too graphic out of that, because then that'll raise a whole lot of subliminal images in your brain, and you'll start thinking about sex again, which we don't want you to be doing that. We want you to be thinking about more pleasant things, like uh, like those Geico spots. Yeah, I got the check. Got my car fixed. It's my birthday. Fixed my own birth. New care, right? Geico. Real service. Real savings. It's my birthday. Yeah, I like that little midget, uh, Vern Troyer. That midget. 1,012 votes on the poll. It's only 12 minutes after 10. How do you like that, huh? Is that impressive or what? In spite mm-hmm. of that WMEN down up the dial, up the street, up the road. How the hell did they get that deal? No, you were right. It's Clarence's fault. And Greg Reed. That's what George said before the show. He said Greg is running around the hall dressed like a slob. And Clarence is the one who's, oh, it's got to be a sports show. It's got to be a sport. That's what George said. Right. Did Josh say that? No, I said it. <laughs> what do Americans do better than anyone else in the world? they got 1,021 votes. Now, this screw, 33. I mean, you know. See, one thing I learned... Maybe living here. Now, I guess it's traveling around the world, but I think living here's got something to do with it because it's such a polyglot. You ever see polyglot? No. What's it look Not like? Not a pretty picture. But, uh, and that is, if, if you want to think about the different kinds of people, like from uh, India and Japan and different parts of the world, just stop and think about certain common denominators, okay? In fact, you know what the, the it's, it's gross, but the, the easiest one, when people sit on the throne, it, it's all the same. Well, you know what I'm saying? Uh, depends on what they've eaten. Well, I'm not talking about the composition of it, okay, or what it smells like, or what it loves. Yeah. Like I said, forget about it. The biggest names, the best oh, talent. Some people this don't In other words, everybody's full of crap. That's what I'm saying. Oh, okay. Are you drudge packing? Do you feel depressed? Are you sick of the Miami Dolphins? Do you want something a little exciting for a change? Oh, no! 
watching the Miami Hurricane. <laughs> Yo, it's a football game, a boxing match, and a riot all wrapped up in one. Even our announcers are down with the cards. Well, that's what I'm talking about. You come into our house, you should get your behind kicked. You don't come in the OOP playing that stuff. You across, you across the ocean over there. You across the city. You can't come over to our place talking noise like that. You should your foot. I was about to go down the elevator and get in that thing. Yo, so if you want real entertainment, check out the Miami Hurricane. Ain't that right, baby? Uh-huh. Yeah, take it to the house, man. It's uh, 10-18. I think a lot of the hurricanes ought to be taken to the big house. Anyway, speaking of going to the big house, Danny Rowling tonight is going to get offed. All right. The, uh, huh? I said all right. Unless the Supreme Court decides to intervene, I don't think that's going to happen. Do you think the phone is going to ring there at the last second? It's going to be fat-ass Governor Bush saying, ah, oh, this ain't a good idea. No. No. The only sad part about this is that they don't, uh, I think they ought to crank up old Sparky again up there in Stark. Sparky and Starky. Wouldn't that be good? Oh, yeah. And then maybe they could have one of them messy executions, you know, where it doesn't really go real well the first four or five times. Right, head catches fire and everything. Yeah, that's right. Oh, geez. You might call them kind of... Flaming. But nevertheless. Oh, we got the Bush press conference at 1030. We going to carry some of that? No. No way. Not on this show. Not on this estacion. Danny Rowling is facing lethal injection for the gruesome serial murders of five college students in Gainesville in 1990 when that town was like uh, in a panic. Remember that? Mm-hmm. They were all like uh, peeing in their pants up there, more so than usual. The students' bodies, some mutilated, posed, and sexually assaulted, were found over a three-day period, August and September of 1990. Seems like only yesterday, doesn't it? Not really. Isn't it somehow we always say stupid cliches like that? Seems like it was only yesterday. No, not really. No. Just like when we first came to QAM and we did the first show downstairs. Remember that weekend before we actually went on a year? Yeah, it seems like a hundred years ago. Seems like a thousand years ago, and it seems like we worked our asses off. That was work then. Now this is more like play, you know? Yeah. Play would look like pay. Rowling pleaded guilty shortly before his trial was to begin. His remaining appeal before the U.S. Supreme Court contends that the chemicals used in Florida's execution process can cause severe pain and cause somebody to yell out, I'm, I'm dying over here. His argument will have to convince Associate Justice Clarence Token Thomas that the process is cruel and unusual and thereby violates the Eighth Amendment to the U.S. Constitution to receive a state of execution from the court. That argument's been turned down in two other Florida execution cases. His execution is scheduled for 6 p.m. tonight. And I see that one of the Orlando radio stations is having like a two-hour two special between 4 and 6 this afternoon, a, a pre-execution uh, special. Excellent. What are they going to be doing, playing death music? Probably. Maybe the death march. Poll response, Americans waste slash throw away perfectly edible food better than anyone in the world. It disgusts me to see what gets thrown away in restaurants. Don't order what you can't eat. <laughs> Don't be a gluten for punishment, okay? How about mind your own business? Yeah. Yeah, your mama. I'm getting choked up about that execution, you know. How are you? No. It's a little bit of that bacon. A little chunk of that bacon probably caught in my throat. Or a little something. I saw Spider-Man 2 last night. I got a little choked up there at the ending. It was, you know, the, I, I let out a really great guffaw, a great laugh. Mm -hmm. When he's saving her for the 8 million time, Mary oh, yeah. Jane there. She's always getting in trouble. And, uh... This is in the climactic scene of the movie, and he's, like, holding that whole big section of the building that's, like, falling in. Yeah. And uh, she's, like, laying down there ready to, like, go to her horrible death. Hi. Hi. <laughs> what, what, a, what a nerd. You know, it reminded me of some of our callers sure. back in the days when we used to take those awful phone calls. Hi. Yeah, that's, uh, you know, that's this, him. This is really heavy. As in like, yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, that's really heavy. <laughs> <laughs> Good movie, though. I enjoyed both. Uh, I'm so grateful that George sent me a Spider-Man. Spider-Man, and I can't no, stop George. singing that stupid thing. So the, I never I never read it. No, well. 
You don't have. It's just not one of my cartoons. You don't have. I to did like it. Plastic Man, like I told you. I like Dick Tracy. Uh, I, yeah, I tried really hard to get into Dick Tracy. Never. You know what I used to do when I was a little kid? I used to like cut out. They had those Crime Stoppers things. Okay. That sounds kind of like yeah, yeah. like what, McGruff the Crime Dog. I don't remember that. They had Crime Stoppers, and I used to like cut the things out and paste them like in a in an album. Too bad you don't still have that. It might be worth something. Oh yeah. Too or bad not. I don't have. Too bad my mother threw out all my baseball cards oh. from my youth. Oh boy, those things would be worth a fortune today. Nice going, Ma. Goes to show you when you throw out your kids' baseball cards, uh, you wind up dying over there. God punishes you badly. Might take a little while. In her case, much too long. But nevertheless, 1,068 votes on the poll already. Holy cow, Rat Man! We are kicking big smelly ass. Is that amazing or what? It's amazing. Uh, so Spider-Man 2 was better than the first one. I'll say the last. The last third of the movie. And I, and I also must say that um, I, I don't know what I was thinking about. What what was it? Where did I see him? And I'm, I don't know why I'm asking you, but it, it's got to be your influence because you're the movie maven. Where the hell did I discover James Franco that I'd never heard of him or seen him before and I got all emotional and whipped up and put that wallpaper on my uh, they desktop? Were, they were showing previews for the movie Flyboys on TV and you saw him and were smitten. Really? And you said, who is that guy? And you looked him up and blah, blah, blah. And I said, oh, oh yeah, that's the guy. Well, maybe he does Spider look good Man. now. He looks good in Tristan and his old, but in these uh, Spider-Man movies, I will say between the first two movies, Spider-Man's, he must have eaten two Reuben sandwiches. Right. And maybe a little kishki, too. He is Jewish, by the way, James Franco, even though you'd never know with a, with a uh, Italian kind of like uh, name like that. I wonder if he says, Cinquanta Banana. I don't know why that sticks in my mind so much. It's just, you know why? Because it, it's so typical of what happens in South Florida, why people get offended by, by people who speak in a language that they don't understand. And I can speak a little Italiano, a little bit. I understood some of what the crap they were spewing. But it, it's just annoying, you know? First of all, when people have, feel that they have to be the loudest ones in the place, that always bothers me anyway. And I will say this, that Italians, for whatever the reason is, they, they do have this compulsion of being very loud. You know what I'm saying? Really what? Loud. No. Yeah, yeah they, they really do. I don't know what that's all about. Cinquanta banana. That's my comment to you, okay? Get out of here. Go find a good machine far away from me. A judge in a case closely watched by those who opposed circumcision cited yesterday with a... Oh, look at that. This is chopped off. Oh, no pun intended, right? No, seriously, this is cut off. It's sliced. Don't cut! Well, I'm going to have to redo this story. You know where I'll have to do it from? Didn't I send it on our website, Josh? If you sent it, it is. Oh, it's about uh, circumcision. You would have seen it. Don't give me that crap, okay? If it's got anything to do with any kind of sexual body part or anything like that, you've seen it. No, I just breezed the room. Yeah, yeah breezed the... Oh, do you? Well, if that's the case, I have to send you a whole lot more today, even though it is Woodbine Wednesday. Was this on today or yesterday? You're supposed to play that Don't Cut. Oh, you already did. Don't cut! <laughs> Don't cut! Where the hell is it? I, I, I can't... This, this is too important. Oh, my God. What date? What's the date on this? October 24. Can you find it on our website? We're looking. Judge rules, because uh, that's the only way I can do some of these stories, is to print them out off of uh, when Josh gets them on. They're nice and clean and pristine, you know, and it's not chopped off or sliced or circumspect. I don't think it's on there. There's report finds sex always on men's minds. Fish, still not a healthy choice. We'll get to that. Loaded with mercury, baby. Yeah. Don't be eating them fish. Stay away from fish. That's a policy I follow. Might have some. Maybe I didn't send you this story. Did I? Obviously not. Well, no, we're not it would be. No. Well, I'll have to go back during the break from WCBS TV. Oh my God! Well, it's an important thing then. The judge said circumcision is an extraordinary medical procedure for a nine-year-old, and uh, something else. I, the whole right-hand column is chopped off in this. 
And I know you're going to say, well, if you would do it like every other normal person does, well, you know right. what? Too bad. I don't. I'm not normal, and I don't want one to do these it days. Like no, I'm, I'm never going to do that. When in doubt, I like to print it out. And the good news is, I got my long uh, extension cord here, my long telephone uh, jack extension cord, so I don't have to worry about potching back and forth with that real primitive printer that you talked me into going out and buying. <laughs> no, seriously, that was Sorry a bad mistake. <laughs> when, when that thing said ribbon, uh, oh, ribbon is finito. Should have a ribbon ceremony for that. Yeah. That was about ribbon, a ribbon printer. What kind of a big shot? And, you know, I maintain the studio, baby. I don't need anybody coming in here potching around with it. I maintain it, and I guarantee you right now, uh, I'll bet you dimes to your donuts, even the ones with the sprinkles on them, that this studio is in a lot better condition and better maintained than that piece of crap you're sitting in right now. Oh, there's no question. For one thing, you don't have people routinely going in there and potching with everything and stealing everything of yours. That is correct. 27 after 10, let's look at that award-winning schedule today. We got Curtis between 2 and 4, no Mad Dog today. And then we got four to five. It says the power hour with Hank. I mean, you know, I, I would get Curtis right now and just slap him silly, okay? Just slap him until his pants fall off. No. The power hour. Hank's on four to, uh, four to seven or four to six thirty because we got Panther preview at six thirty. The Panthers and the Rangers seven o'clock tonight with a pregame at six thirty and then Eddie K after the hockey game. The Panthers are going to have some real goaltending problems all season long. That's all the season long. That's obvious. I'm sure even George is aware of that. What? They're going to miss Bobby Luongo. Good Italian, but I wonder if he's ever eaten Cinquanta Banana at one sitting. I doubt it. One thing I do know is that Lubecco Chevy is where I buy my cars, man. I've had, I was thinking this morning. I was in the shower, and I've been trying to think about how many years I've been driving Corvettes. I think my first bet I got in 86, no, 87, almost 20 years ago. And that's why I've been buying cars at Lubecco for about 20 years now. You can't beat their service. They're friendly salespeople who know their craft. And, of course, their service are uh, unmatched. And their prices are the best anywhere in town. And right now, Lou Backroad is doing something they've never tried to do before. They want to sell 1,000 cars in one month for the first time in their history, so they have what they're calling Race to 1,000. By the way, we got 1,000 and some votes already in our poll. We got them beat. We got 1,082. Aren't you proud? I am. Lou Backroad's got the biggest selection of new and used cars, including the hot new Corvettes, which will give you a sexual uh, excitement, believe me. Trucks, SUVs, minivans, anywhere going. They've also got used cars starting at just 3995 bucks. Everyone is backed by a Carfax guarantee. No lemons there. If you want lemons, go to the fruit stand. Lou Backroad's out to sell 1,000 cars this month, and they're staying open until midnight every night to get to that number. Forget about price. Make them an offer. They'll beat any deal. More money for your trade. 0% financing. Rebates of up to six grand. Whatever it takes, they'll make you an offer you can't refuse. Only Lou Backroad Chevrolet with two locations for you. In Pompano Beach, a quarter mile west of I-95, just look for that huge American flag right near Pompano Park. And in Coconut Creek on 441, just south of the Sawgrass Expressway. Don't forget, Lou Backroad stays open until midnight every night this month, so get your ass over to Lou Backroad for an unbeatable deal. Get a deal on a Chevy that you won't even believe it'll be so good. Or check them on the Wicked Web at loubackroat.com. That's B-A-C-H-R-O-D-T, loubackroat.com. The biggest names, the best talent. This is Neil Rogers, Sports Radio 560, U-A-M. Portals are strange, they're never happy. Charlie's game. Jay, Jay. That's the sound of the men in Jake and Charlie's game. Jay. You thought that home name of Bode was straight. 
major conclusion about myself. You know what? I'm stupid. <clears throat> okay. Well, there's your president speaking of stupid. Yes. Yeah. He never said stay the course, by the way. He never said that. He said cut and run. Okay. Well, speaking of that, uh, you know, the reason I'm stupid is that I'm not stupid. I'm stubborn. And when you're stubborn, that makes you stupid. Mm-hmm. So I'm sitting and playing the same machine for hours that, you know, is dead as a doornail and, and, and thinking that maybe, you know, by some miracle it's eventually going to pay. That's called being stubborn and stupid. Okay. Because Mozilla Firefox is like, uh, Explorer is evil, you're right. It, uh, Internet Explorer devil. is the Antichrist. Only AOL is more evil. Really? I'm not saying a lot. I, I, I didn't even print this out landscape style. I printed it out like a regular uh, old, uh, kicking it old right. style. And it's just fine. There's no nothing chopped off at all. What a piece I, I of use crap that Explorer, Explorer to download Firefox, and then I destroy it. Then I take it Good. off my desktop. Blow it up. Kill uh-huh. it. Kill Explorer, baby. Anyway, a judge in a case closely watched by those who oppose circumcision... Sided yesterday with a divorced man who did not want his nine-year-old son to undergo the procedure. Don't you think that nine's a little bit too old to be having uh, circumcision? Whatever. Circuit judge. <laughs> oh, you're sure changing your tune. I have. It's, uh, I don't care anymore. Oh. Chop Circuit it up. judge Jordan Kaplan said that circumcision is an extraordinary medical procedure for a nine-year-old and that the boy can decide for himself when he turns 18. Oh, when he's 18, he ain't going to want to have that. Oh, man. The boy's father sued to block the operation in a dispute with his ex-wife. The couple's 2003 divorce decree gave the father the right to be consulted before the boy underwent any extraordinary non-emergency procedure. The father said he believed surgical removal of the boy's foreskin could cause long-term physical and psychological harm. The child's mother wanted the procedure to prevent recurring infections. She testified that the boy had suffered five bouts of painful inflammation and he begged her to help him. Newborns in several mainstream religions are routinely circumcised as part of their faith, but religious beliefs didn't figure in the ruling. The AP is not identifying the parents to protect the boy's privacy, to protect his privates. Alan Toback, the father's attorney, said the man is extremely happy with the judge's decision. Uh, most U.S. newborn babies are still circumcised. I bet you didn't know that. I didn't know that. I did. I thought they stopped doing that. No. The insurance stopped paying for a lot of cases of it, but that's all that happened. The rest of the world, other than like uh, the Jews and the uh, Arabs, are uh, largely uncut. Correct. I discovered that through my own personal uh, explorations. I read a story. But a growing number of parents are opting against the surgery. The percentage of male babies circumcised has fallen from an estimated 90% in 1970 to about only 60% today. Unclean. In the 1999 policy statement that was reaffirmed this year, the American Academy of Pediatrics said there are potential medical benefits to circumcision, including a reduction in risk of urinary tract infections. But the Academy said there is not enough evidence to recommend routine circumcision of newborns. In other words, uh, bada uh, whatever, que sera, sera, you know. Like that. God. We have changed our force structure. See, there he goes again with that foreskin. See that? Mm-hmm. Rock and roll legend Elvis Presley has seated his crown. Guess who is the top-earning dead celebrity now? It's not no longer Elvis. Kurt Cobain. Oh, you already saw that. It, it was on the crawl earlier. He's crawling? Not, not no bad more. for a dead guy, huh? 
The list published yesterday said grunge rocker Cobain earned $50 million between October 2005 and October 2006. Presley wound up in the number two slot with $42 million, down from last year's $45 million. The king is sliding, man. The king is slipping. How did they get that show over there, Doug? I just can't believe it. No, it just it bothers me. It bugs the crap out of me, you know? Just like just like I keep wondering, why was I so, like, obsessed with James Franco? What's the big symmetry with him? He looks like a punk in those movies. But they're very good movies, though. Spider, Spider, man, I can't stop singing that. It's because of that guy on the street, the, the uh, street guitar. Yeah, yeah, whatever it was. Forbes.com bases its dollar amounts on licensing deals for using the deceased celebrities' work or image in advertising or elsewhere. I'll tell you one thing. Tobey Maguire should be an inspiration to everybody. You know what? Oh, yeah. You can be really mediocre and uh, I mean, when you've got as little uh, personality and talent as he's mm-hmm. got, I mean, he's good in that. Don't get me wrong. He was fine. And I don't want to. that was the whole idea. They tried to find somebody who had a personality like a dead man, and that was him. Now I've got to send you Cider House Rules. Why is that? Because he's in it, and it's a good movie, and it's also not. Uh, I, I don't, I don't have like no obsession with Tobey Maguire. No, now, no, because it's a I good said he's good in Spider-Man. Michael Caine's uh, in it. Yeah, well, he's all right. It's a good movie. He's always neurotic and crazy, which I think you don't have to act mm-hmm. much either. Cobain's coup was due to his widow, actress and singer Courtney Love, who sold a 25% stake in the Seattle Grunge Group song catalog. New York music publishing company Prime Wave ranked after Presley is Peanuts cartoon strip creator Charles Schultz at 35 million dollars. All the dead people are making the big bucks. All you schleppers out there are like, uh, you know, can't find two nickels to rub together, and all the dead people are breaking in the big bucks. Rounding out the top five were Beatle John Lennon at $24 million and groundbreaking physicist Albert Einstein at $20 million bucks, whose estate profited from such licensing deals as the popular Baby Einstein educational videos. Those are good videos. Other celebrities on the list include Theodore Gazelle, better known as children's book author Dr. Seuss, Rhythm and Blues pioneer Ray Charles, silver screen legend Marilyn Monroe, and reggae superstar Bob Marleyman. Past top earners include songwriter Irving Berlin and actor Marlon Brando. <laughs> what the hell was that? That was our Marlon. Oh, boy. What's wrong with you? I think your brain is going soft. Yeah, um, or some other body part. So there, speaking of your brain going soft. Community is also soft. Oh, brother. Day after day. Just go away already, okay? That would be the best thing you could do for everybody. Just go away. Don't go away mad. Just go away, W. Just, Just get on our face. Away. That's it. Before you get impeached, before the big Democratic sweep two weeks from yesterday and they wind up impeaching in spite of what that bitch Nancy Pelosi says, just uh, get the hell out of there while you smile. The getting still good. Get lost. 1,113 votes on the poll. We may actually get to 15 today. Yesterday we got to 1,400 right at the 2 o'clock mark. You think we'll do 15? Sure, why not? Yeah, well, I'd be pleased as punch, like Hubert Humphrey. I would be really pleased if we get to 15. I mean, what, what does it prove? Does it mean anything? It means we got no. at least that many people listening, or we got a whole bunch of people that voted right. several times. On a computer in fact, maybe vote enough. twice today. We'll do like 50,000, just to piss off uh, Joel Feinberg. By the way, nice team over there, Joel, with that Jimmy Syphilis. Jimmy Syphilis and the 1-6 Dolphins, who ought to be 0-7, and, and who will not win uh, this week because they don't play, and who definitely won't win the week after that in Chicago. That could be one of the ugliest. Remember that playoff game? How many years ago was that? I was in Vegas when they were playing Jacksonville in the playoffs. Remember, Josh? When oh, they lost, what was it, 73 to nothing? It was something like that. Was that the score? 60s, maybe, I want to say. It was 63 or 73 to zip to Jacksonville, to, to what is basically a little girls team. Well, they were I, good that year. Who, the uh, Jaguars? Yeah. And the Dolphins weren't. Is that what you're trying to say? Pretty much. Although at least Obviously. they were in the playoffs. Let's hear it for them. They may have gotten wiped out 63 or 73 or 853 to nothing, but they were in the playoffs. Going to make the playoffs this year? No. Next year? No, no. Five, five years from Circus? No. By the way, uh, on your calendar, does it say when Circus is? 
I can't read it from here, but Josh is checking it out. Yeah. This month, always says, I imagine. What? Yeah, it's October. It may have already come and gone. Probably no, it doesn't is like, say. doesn't say? No, well, what is it, some kind of a goyish calendar? Is it anti-semantic or what? Uh-huh. 10.42 at 5.60 WQM, your circumcised station, man. We are cut and we're clean. Other than George, do we have anybody at our station who's not circumcised, you think? Oh, I ain't going to go ask around. Well, maybe. Now, what about Miguel? He is. He is what? Circumcised. You guys discussed that during one of the... Uh, well, I don't really care anymore. Well. Um, and never really did. Uh, no, I don't think we have any other uncut, unclean people in the building. Just uh-huh. George. Oh, uh-huh. God. So if there's an aroma that puts you in a coma... Miguel says, yes, you did. I did what? Ask. Well, maybe I was interested. Yes, in those days. Experience the difference at Mercedes-Benz of Pompano because it doesn't matter what time of month you buy a vehicle there because you're always going to get a great deal. Whether it's one of the brand-new 2007 Mercedes-Benz luxury sedans, the 2007 GL Class, the first Mercedes-Benz full-size SUV, or their large selection of great certified pre-owned cars. When you choose Mercedes-Benz of Pompano, you've got over 200 employees dedicated to providing incomparable service, offering express lube, courtesy vehicles, and complimentary car wash, too. Make an appointment through our business development center. You can even earn dealer miles, just like frequent flyer air miles. Browse Mercedes-Benz and Pompano's Indoor Expo. You'll find over 150 new and pre-owned vehicles. Or go to BenzPompano.com, B-E-N-Z, BenzPompano.com on the web. Experience the difference at Mercedes-Benz and Pompano. Call 1-800-NEW-BENZ, 1-800-N-E-W-B-E-N-Z. You'll find them at I-95 and Copens Road. Mercedes-Benz of Pompano, a Mercedes uh, dealer like you've never seen in the history of anybody's life. The biggest names, the best talent. This is Neil Rogers, Sports Radio 560, QAM. The President George W. Bush with us. Thank you. Most unpopular president since, I guess, Wilson. Yeah, it's, it turns out it is true. Buffalo, New York, hello. Mr. President, do you have a message for the children of our country? Um... You cannot achieve big goals and accomplish hard things. Hold it, hold it, hold it. That's horrible. Why can't you be supportive of our kids? Because um, I think it's a huge mistake. Prescott, Arizona. Hello. Hey, Bush. Yes, sir. Has that jackass Dick Cheney let loose with any more straight bullets? Yeah. Yeah. A couple of days ago, he not only fires one, he fires seven. What the hell is wrong with that guy? You know, I don't know. I really don't know. I think he wants us to either fear him or pay attention to him. And I, I, I just... Hope at some time he gets some sense. Sparland, Illinois. Hello. President Bush, do you exchange perverted emails with your underage interns? Do I? Yes, I do. How often? Every day. Um, obsessed with it? No. Well, in a way, yeah, I guess you could say obsessed. What are you going to do if the FBI checks your hard drive? Uh, commit suicide. President George W. Bush, always good Thank to you, see you, sir. Thank you. I'm confident we'll succeed in Iraq. In the yeah, right. 1,134 votes. Uh, yeah, although we certainly never said stay the course, did we? No, he never said that. Right. What do Americans do better than anyone else in the world? 1,138 votes. Now our goal is 1,500 a day. If we do 1,500, I'm going to take this poll result. We're going to we're going to wrap it up on a uh, gigantic baseball bat and shove it up Joel Feinberg's ass. Not a good idea. Well, if you do the pushing, I'm going to push it. 1,138 votes. Spend money on crap. 322. And thank God for that. It's good for the economy. Stay stupid. 193. Like uh, conflict. Yeah. Like him. 193. Deny reality, 172. Make war, 107. Kill people, 86. Pollute, 67. Waste time, 50. Movies, 44. I thought that India was supposed to be such a great uh, movie-making country, aren't they? Although they, they make crap. They, they make a lot, work. but that's it's not, not good for us. Plus, there's all them Indians in it. Uh, screw, 37. Well, I'm almost saying the F word here. Well, that's what it says on our website. Who the hell put that? Oh, I did. 
<laughs> Party slash get intoxicated, 20. Medicine, 16. Uh, lie, 16. And drive badly, only 8. Solamente 8. I don't understand that. You get it? No, not often. You're going to find this to be a very interesting story. From Antigua, Wisconsin. I never heard of Antigua, did you? No. Well, here we are. Put them on the map. Three-year-old Robert Moore went fishing for a stuffed replica of SpongeBob and ended up trapped in a vending machine. <laughs> Can't you just see this? Oh, that's happened before, unless that's an old story. No, it's okay. a brand new story. Right. We don't do old stories on the show, okay? We don't recycle old crap. We give you new crap. The right. toddler's adventure began with a Saturday evening shopping trip with his grandma, Frederica Bruderman, and three siblings. Mm -hmm. This was just this past Saturday, so I wouldn't say this is an old story. Beardman ended the trip by giving each child a dollar and telling them to have fun in a retailer's game room. A stuffed SpongeBob in a vending machine's bin caught Robert's eye. He tried without success to fish it out with a plastic crane. I told him I could get it for him, his grandma said. He's a character. He said, oh, no, I can get it. When she turned her back to get another dollar for a second try, Robert took off his coat and squeezed through an opening in the machine. He landed in the stuffed animal cube. I turned around and looked for him, and he said, Oh, Ma, I'm in here, Beardman said. I thought I would have a heart attack. Oh, Ma. Is that what kids call grandma's Oma? Not where I'm from. Well, I'm his family. Store employees couldn't find a key to the machine, so Robert waited while the Antigua Fire Department was called. He was having a ball in there, hugging all the stuffed animals, Birdman said. He was so good-natured, but I was shaking like a leaf. Firefighters broke one lock, but then spotted two latches inside the plastic cube. Rhymes with cube. They passed a screwdriver to Robert. He stacked up all the stuffed animals and used that screwdriver to open the latch. Grandmother said, you should have seen him go. Now, this is a three-year-old kid. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Does that sound reasonable to you? Not, Not to me. A three-year-old kid could do that? I don't know. Eventually, Robert freed himself, but his mother, Marie Moore, and grandmother said they were lucky that he remained calm when another child might not have. He went home safe, but without a stuffed SpongeBob. Well, isn't that the least that they could have done for him was giving him a stuffed SpongeBob? Of course. Sponge uh, square uh, bob pants? Jesus, God. Or at least and we're sponge. constantly adjusting our tactics to achieve victory. Yeah, right. Uh, well, you're doing a hell of a job, man. Heck of a job, Brownie Hound. Pathetic. Oh, speaking of brownie hounds, here's a Mark Foley story. You ought to see the look on uh, There's a picture here of him. He's got a grin and like, like he just swallowed a cat or swallowed something. <laughs> Maybe it was a canary. Oh, no. A State Department email to troops obtained by Ross Duray provided troops from Florida's 16th District with instructions for how to vote for the Republican replacement for Congressman Mark Foley, but omitted other candidates' names. Under Florida law, votes cast for Foley will be counted toward Joe Negron's total. Candidates have objected, however, that though Foley and Negron's names were used a combined total of nine times, no other candidates are mentioned in the email. Democratic nominee Tim Mahoney took it upon himself to send a similar mailing to absentee voters. My name is Tim Mahoney, the Democrat wrote, vo uh, wrote voters, and I'm running for Congress in your district. I'm writing you in an effort to ensure you have the most accurate information regarding the November 7th election. Mahoney's mainly including instructions for those wishing to vote for Negron Mahoney or independent candidate Emmy Ross. I've got a copy of the email here. How do you like that? There's again your Republican government in the, you know, mm -hmm. once again trying to influence the outcome of an election. Beaten if they did not adhere to the strict uh, intolerant guidelines. See, there he goes again about talking about people being beaten. And this is the, his cabinet he's talking about. And quite, if you ask me, most of them deserve it. 1,151 votes, man. They're rolling along. Shouldn't say rolling, though. Wouldn't that be good if we had CCR rolling? Proud Mary? What do you mean? Uh, you got it? That would be something if you got uh, Proud Mary by CCR, which I hate like poison. Oh, that's a Pete Bolger thing. On Zeta, they, they just were obsessed with CCR. Yeah, there we go. They're rolling, baby. Six o'clock tonight. They're going to slip him the needle, Watson. They're going to stick it to him. They're going to pull him apart cell by cell, bit by bit. You know, so, so, 
working. Oh, this song is yeah, working. We're working for the man. Well, you got to let it go to the part where they start doing rolling. Come on, what's wrong with you? That was the whole idea. What's that? Proud Mary, by Proud Mary. Who did this? I can Tina. Oh, God. No. No, Moss. <laughs> I can Tina. You're not liking Tina? I'm not liking either one of them. Isn't he? He's dead, though, isn't he? No. Ike? No. I like Ike. Well, I sure got a huge pile here, man. I got a big, fat, ugly pile. I didn't see that debate last night because not being in Florida to see when you're out of touch, out of the loop. Did you guys watch it? Of course not. Yeah. I'm busy watching Spider-Man, too. Spider-Man, Spider-Man. And you're, you're, like, sitting at home watching the Chris Davis debate. I'm wondering, did Jim Davis say... Uh, you fairy. No, he didn't say that. He should have. He should have. He just should have just said, hey, uh, how come he won't tell everybody that you're Yay. you phony right-wing uh, closet case? Should have just said. closet case. You mo? Mo. Doi, 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 doi. Yeah, they're going to write his ass in there, too. By the way, is he doing the Giants games on the radio, Josh? Do you know? I don't mo? think so. You what? I don't think so. Well, no. there was a thing the other day about uh, in one of the Toronto papers, I think in the Sun, they were asking about best sportscasters and worst sportscasters. And somebody uh, said uh, Howard David, who used to do the uh, Sunday Night Football, which it wasn't Sunday night, it was Monday night, so they were wrong right off the bat, and now is uh, doing the Giants games. I think they're confused with the fact that he did the Jets games before he got tossed out on his ass on that. Maybe he does. I don't know. So he's got a New York-y kind of guy, wouldn't you say? Okay. Maybe you could Google it. New York Giants football broadcast. See who the voice of the Giants is. Wouldn't that be something that was your close personal friend? Do, 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 and then do, do, one do. day in your resume, you could say, hey, I once knew the uh, voice of the New York Giants. Yeah, I'll put that on my resume. Now, one, back in the day, to show you how old I am, they used to be called the New York football Giants. You want to know why? Because there were baseball Giants? Yeah. See, even you know that. Wow. That's very good. I think George is qualified to do a morning show now. He's talking sports. That's right. Yeah, because there was the New York Giants, uh, who eventually became the San Francisco Giants. Josh should have jumped in on that. Being the bar, uh, well, the Barney, I'm Googling Mo, the Barney Bonds supposed giant broadcaster. Yeah, well, let's uh, let the audience hang on that until after the break. Let's keep them hanging on the edge of their seats. Wouldn't that be something? Yeah, yeah something. I mean, not that I really give a crap. 1056 at 560 WQAM. Let me tell you again about Lou Backrow what they're doing right now. For the first time in their history, Lou Backrow Chevrolet is offering you, uh, you, uh, them a chance. And, well, they're not offering you anything except fantastic deals. But they're trying to get to a 1,000 cars sold in one month. Never done it before. But they're going to do it. They've got a week to go, almost. They've got the biggest selection of new and used cars, including the hot new Corvettes, which, believe you me when I tell you from personal experience, there is nothing when it comes to driving a car. There's nothing that compares to sitting behind a wheel of a fantastic vet. Trucks, SUVs, minivans, the biggest selection anywhere at unbeatable prices. They've also got used cars starting at just 3995 bucks. every one of them backed by a Carfax guarantee, by the way. And like I said, Lou Backroad is out to sell 1,000 cars this month, and so they're staying open till midnight every night so they can get to that 1,000 number. Forget the price. Make them an offer, and they'll beat just about any deal I've ever heard of. More money for your trade, 0% financing, rebates up to $6,000. Whatever it takes, they'll get you a deal done. Only at Lou Backroad Chevrolet with two great locations for you. In Pompano Beach, a quarter mile west of I-95, and in Coconut Creek on 441, just south of the Sawgrass Expressway. Don't forget, Lou Backroad is staying open till midnight every night this month, so get your ass over to Lou Backroad and get the best deal in history on a great new Chevy, or check them on the website at loubackroad.com. The biggest names, the best talent. This is Neil Rogers, Sports Radio 560, QAM. This is the Neil Rogers Show. This is your brain. Any questions? 
And now a message from AAA, the African Adoption Association. Come to Africa and get the baby. Unless you are a middle-income, average, everyday American family, we don't give you the baby, but we do give one to Sting. The line to get the baby from Africa is currently 22 years long, much like the line to get on El Toro at Six Flags. Unless you are Jennifer Aniston, then you can use the celebrity drive through window and order up whatever you need. Come to Africa, where the weather is hot and dry, and the babies don't hardly cry, probably because we give them the camel milk, which seems to quiet them. It's easy to be the baby in Africa, unless you are an average Simba or Mufasa, or in your country, how you say, Dick or Jane. But if you are Lisa Gibbons, Deborah Novel, or Tempest Bledsoe, it's no problem. Come to Africa. Where some people question why we only give babies to famous people, and everyone else has to wait until their eyes fall out. We say this to you, it's a business. Let's say you are an accountant. You would much rather have the business of meatloaf than, say, Ralph from Kearney, New Jersey. See? That's okay. Come to Africa, Clay Aiken. Come to Africa, Lance Bass. Come to Africa, Jim McGreevy. Come to Africa, drummer of band cutting crew. We give you the baby. No questions asked. But if you're not famous, the line for the baby starts in Portugal. And please, no cutting in line, or we shoot you. This has been a message from the AAA, the African Adoption Association. So I Googled it myself. I don't see no Moa, no Giants games, okay? I think that was, uh, you know, what do Canadians know about the NFL anyway, right? Nothing. Right. What do Canadians know about Mo? And then, then I, uh, I actually went to uh, Wikipedia, which there was a brief uh, thing on there. Yeah, I saw that too. And I, I went all over the place. Then I found another thing on there when I Googled, and there was a picture of Mo with a full head of dark hair. Must have been the dark piece. And I looked at that picture, and I thought to myself, that is the most objectionable person I have ever met in my life. At any rate, see, why did you start with that crap? Where, where did that come from? You got Mo thing? Yeah. Wasn't me. It was me. Florida's candidates for governor got aggressive in their first head-to-head debate last night, says the Herald, pushing themes from their TV ads and knocking each other as feckless leaders. <laughs> feckless. I like that word. A lackluster lopsided race picked up tempo Monday after a surprising poll showed Attorney General Charlie Crist lead over Democratic Representative Jim Davis was tightening. Now, see, that, that's not... Who wrote this? Beth Reinhardt and Noah Bierman? You guys couldn't write for the Weekly Reader, Okay. His lead isn't tightening. The race is tightening, okay? His lead is shrinking. It's just uh, pathetic. Chris didn't act like a complacent frontrunner. He repeatedly took Davis to task for missing votes in Congress, accusing him of wanting to raise taxes and called his insurance plan a risky scheme. He also revived an attack that dominated the Democratic primary, Davis's 1990 vote against restitution for two wrongfully convicted black men. Chris balanced his sharp attacks with a cheery outlook for Florida's future, marveling at the balmy weather and referring to popular politicians, even Democrats, including former Governor Walken Lawton Childs, the he-coon. 
Davis dished out just about as much as he got, accusing Chris of backing special interest tax giveaways. Referring to Florida's low graduation rates and high insurance costs, he warned voters that Chris wants to stay the course on such issues. Where have we heard that term before? He's making tough decisions. Yeah, stay the course, my ass. How do you like that? Davis also offered a catchy defense of his record in Congress. It's not just about showing up, it's about standing up. Charlie, as Attorney General, has done nothing to stand up to the insurance companies he'd be seeing. Later, he walked over to Chris Lecter and handed him his insurance bill, which he said had gone up by 40%. How do you like that? Mm-hmm. Chris threw another curveball yesterday when, asked, uh, when he asked Davis if he would apologize for meeting with terrorist leaders, citing his trips to Cuba and the Middle East. Davis's campaign acknowledged that he met with late Palestinian leader Yasser Amafart, but said he also met with then Israeli leader Ariel Sharon. How's he doing, by the way? Still fat and still all dead, close to it. Veggie. Davis visited dissident leaders in Cuba in 2003. He favors easing restrictions on travel to Cuba, but has repeatedly supported the trade embargo. Well, that's, that's bad. The trade embargo is bad. Bad idea. But, of course, it's uh, politics like everything else. That's why so many people are uh, living like schleppers there because of the fact that we have to pander to a certain number of your people in Dade County. Comunista. That certain uh, fascista constituency. That's why they like Bush so much. Have you seen the ad where the guy's talking to a Bush? No. You haven't seen that ad? It's a great ad. No. And there's a Bush like in the the woods. A shrub. A bush. Uh A shrub, yeah. And he's saying, uh, you know, talking to this boy, and then they show a picture of uh, this one. And that, that one. And, you know, talking to this bush will get you about as much done as talking to that one. In other words, uh, Gornish Nelson. It's a great ad. 11.94. What do Americans do better than anyone else in the world? We almost got to 1,200 already. We're going to get to 1,500 today, and then you're going to go right across the street and take copies of the poll and shove them all up Joel's ass. Oh, God. On a, on a red-hot poker. Get Just gloves. stick them on the end of a red-hot poker and stick them where the moon don't shine. And bring a little moonshine for them, too. They can probably use it. I got some. After you spend all that money for the rights to the Dolphin broadcast, who now wants to hear the Dolphins on the radio anyhow or see them on TV? They suck. They are pathetic. They're embarrassing. This is a team that can't put any points on the board. They finally score 24 against the girls' team, and they give up 34. Every time it looked like they were getting their ass back into the game, all of a sudden some bonehead deal would come up. Don't you love that, Josh, just like when you were terrified that they might actually get back in the game? Joey would throw an interception. Joey? Not Joey Harrington, who was such a bomb with the Lions. At any rate... 1194, what do Americans do better than anyone else in the world? Spend money on crap, 337. In fact, that's uh, if you want to get rich, sell some crap. That's it. You'll get rich overnight. Americans love crap. Stay stupid, 203. Deny reality, 181. Make war, 112. Kill, 87. Pollute, 74. Waste time, 53. Movies, 44. Screw their brains out, 40. Party slash get intoxicated, 21. Medicine, 17. Lies, 17. And drive badly up. Only eight. I'm glad that the party can get intoxicated isn't doing all that well. Why because it shouldn't be. Well, it shouldn't be. Because like in Amsterdam or like in oh, Germany, yeah. no, we're they, start, they start boozing it up like 9, 10 o'clock in the morning. They're having like beer for breakfast. Uh-huh. Oh, man. So like I was talking to you before about, you know, comparing the different peoples uh, in various parts of the world. Maybe I was wrong about that. Because if you start drinking beer 9, 10 in the morning, you can just imagine what your innards must be going oh. through, the churning and, oh, sure. boy. Wow. Dave Lindorf says, let's march in January, an impeachment call to action. All right. Hallelujah, baby. He's author of Killing Time, an investigation of the death row case of Mamia Abu Jamal. Who the hell was that? I don't know. Mamia? Mamia? You're a what? You heard what I said. Mamma. Mamma mia. He says, I'm going to go out on a limb here and predict that barring some incredible act of criminal cynicism, such as the bombardment of Iran by the president, 
the Democrats are going to take over the House of Representatives. That being the case, I propose that it's time that all those patriots and lovers of liberty, all those who oppose the administration's mad imperial military policies, all those who recognize the so-called war on terror for what it is, a war on America, all those whose stomachs turn to the side of the fatal drowning of New Orleans, all those who are outraged at a president who claims the right to violate laws at will, to ignore acts of Congress and the snub rulings of the Supreme Court, all those who are sick of seeing their government function like a whorehouse for corporate johns, all those who are angry at having a government that tortures and kidnaps people, including children in our name, all those who know that there are dark secrets about 9-11 being buried by traitors in the White House, all those who despair at seeing the Bill of Rights ripped out of the Constitution article by article, begin a mass campaign to make impeachment of President Bush item, item one on the agenda of the next Congress. I propose that the anti-war and impeachment movements combine forces and organize a massive petition campaign to obtain five million signatures calling on the Congress to initiate impeachment hearings on President Bush's constitutional high crimes, misdemeanors, treason, and bribery, and that this petition be delivered to the future Speaker of the House, the unctuous Representative Nancy Pelosi, and the future Chair of the House Judiciary Committee, Representative John Conyers of Michigan. Delivery of this document can be made on January 20, 2007, on the sixth anniversary of Bush's benighted first inauguration. If the grassroots campaign organizations that are mobilized for Election Day turn to gathering signatures off the same voter list right after Election Day, it shouldn't be hard to get at least that many signatures. There already are a number of groups like Veterans for Peace collecting signatures. These efforts can be coordinated. I propose that this petition then be carried by demonstrators in a reverse uninauguration impeachment march that could assemble at the White House and proceed down Pennsylvania Avenue to the Capitol steps, retracing the impeachment march Bush tried to make before his entourage started to face heckling and eggs. There, a set of proposed articles of impeachment could be formally read out, perhaps by members of Congress, who would later be submitting them as formal impeachment bills to the House Judiciary Committee. We're going to need something like this because the Democratic leadership, most notably Pelosi, but including the likes of Democratic House Campaign Committee Chair Representative Rahm Emanuel and many of those in House Democratic Leadership Council, are publicly stating they will try to block any impeachment bills. Although it's clear from many national polls that more Americans today want this criminal president and usurper impeached than ever wanted either Clinton or Nixon impeached, these craven and cowardly leaders seem to think that they'll be punished by the Republicans if they attempted. This is nonsense. It's the Republicans who've been dismantling Congress as a functioning branch of government who are out of touch and who are now being rejected by the public. The public is not turning to the Democrats because it wants them to be pleasant and collegial in Washington. People are turning to the Democrats because they're sick and tired of the crooks, the charlatans, the megalomaniacs, and the crackpots who've been running the country and the Constitution into the ground and sending our kids into pointless, endless wars. People want resolute action from the Democrats, not pussyfooting. Pelosi is so out of it when it comes to her constituency, she seems not to realize that the very ballot that has listed her as a candidate this November in her San Francisco congressional district includes a referendum on impeachment, which is likely to pass. Instead of goading Pelosi into making pledges not to impeach, as mainstream reporters have been doing, someone should ask her and other Democrats who are ducking the issue whether or not they believe the president's been violating the Constitution, undermining freedoms, and the separation of powers. If the answer is yes, then they should be asked why they don't feel obligated to take action in defense of liberty in the Constitution. These weak-kneed sissies are worse than simply political cowards. They're violators of their own oaths of office, which commit them to upholding and defending the Constitution, a document which even they have to admit is under grave attack by this president and his co-conspirators. If Pelosi and company will not stand up and defend that document and the institution of Congress that Bush has so defiled with his signing statements, we the people must make them do it. The first step, of course, is to throw the Republican majority out in Congress. Then we have to turn our political sights and our righteous rage on the Democrats who, through their decade of habitual cowering, have enabled and are now protecting this criminal regime from the aggressive investigation that it so richly deserves. It says impeachment in 2007. Let's march. What do you say? You going to march? Let's do it. One little Peggy march. Don't play that again. Peggy march? Peggy march. I will follow him. You played that the other day. Horrible. Awful. 
It's depressing, too. How are we doing on that poll? We're going to make 1500 a day? 1211 Oh, my God. Spider-Man, Spider-Man. <laughs> hey, they're good movies, man. I can't wait for Spider-Man sure, 3 they were fun. But Harry's going to be the heavy. That's the bad news. Well, yeah, no, the good news is that he's really ugly, so that's, so who cares, you know? <laughs> if he looked as good as I thought he did, it just it wouldn't be appropriate for a real, you know, hot-looking guy to be the evildoer. It, it just doesn't work out like it just, Why not? You know, that would be like uh, Tom Welling being the bad guy on Smallville. Why not? Don't you remember when he had the uh, red kryptonite going there for a while? Are you picking on Tom Welling? I'm starting to get a swelling. It was way more interesting when he was the evil Spooderman. Oh, and speaking of uh, birthdays... Yeah, I got the check. Got my car fixed. It's my birthday. Fixed my own birth. New care, right? Geico. Real service. Real savings. It's my birthday. It's Dollar Mattress's 30th birthday. About 30, man. And to celebrate, Dollar Mattress and Simmons are offering the lowest price of the year on the best-selling Simmons Beauty Rest pillow top. You can choose from South Florida's biggest selections of Simmons Beauty Rest with same-day delivery. You've got to be crazy to go to those bedding and department stores. I've been buying mattresses from Dollar Mattress for a long time because they make it so easy for you. And they give you the best prices, too. What's not to like? So if you're finally ready for a good night's sleep for the next many zillion years, just call Dollar Mattress, 1-800-MATTRESS, for factory direct prices and award-winning service. No nonsense, no BS, no schlepping all over town, wasting time, gas, and cash. Dollar Mattress gives you 12-month financing. And with Dollar Mattress, all you do is pick the date and time for delivery, and they show up anytime you want, seven days a week from 8 in the morning till 10 at night, even the same day that you call. Pick it to our window like noon to 2, and they'll be there. That's why Dollar Mattress continues to be ranked number one in the world in customer satisfaction and why everybody at QM, even those who are brainless, use Dollar Mattress. You don't have to be a genius to figure out this is the only way to go. On the web, check them out at dollarmattress.com or make that one easy call, 1-800-MATTRESS, 1-800-M-A-T-T-R-E-S. Leave off the last as because it stands for Stupendous Sensational Savings. The biggest names, the best talent. This is Neil Rogers, Sports Radio 560, QAM. I blow. Greg hates you. My fellow Americans, this is your president, George W. Bush. And I know that, like me, many of you are upset with North Korea's nuclear prolif, prolif, uh, getting nukes. We are poised on the brink of a serious throwdown here, folks. And what makes matters worse? The North Koreans have called us, quote, gangster-like. I'm here to tell you tonight, we are not gangsters. Because that's just how we roll. In the U.S., yo, careers, business, dog, I ain't down with that. Man, the union, Jack, gonna bust a cap in your ass. That Kim Jong-il, he better just take a chill. What kind of name is Kim, yo? Is that a her or a him? Sounds like a biatch in a hole. That's what he'd be, a bro with a bad fall. Sneak pushy bush. So in other words, if Mo was our foe, would that make him a mofo? Yo, money. 1,226 votes on the poll. We might have 1,300 by the top of the hour by noonish. And if we get to 1,300 by noonish, by two-ish, we're all going to be Jewish. How do you like that? Oi. About I mean, 1,500. Oi. Or maybe we'll have like uh, 50. Cinquanta banana. Controversial and prolific author, political commentator, and essayist Gore Vidal is assured that the military's growing revulsion at the Bush junta's policies would ensure they would try to prevent any false flag staged terror attack while slamming the end of the habeas corpus and the administration's coup d'etat of America on a nationally syndicated radio broadcast. Speaking on the Alex Jones show, and this is Prison Planet, I always say that, I always tell you that because some people think that they're like paranoid uh, lunatics. Yeah. Yeah, what? Some people think that they're paranoid lunatics. Oh. But. 
They're not. But nevertheless, sometimes they're right and sometimes they're a little, a little off the edge. Speaking on the Alex Jones Show, Vidal decried the end of the foundational bedrock of due process of law uh, and expressed his astonishment at the recent loss of habeas corpus with the passage of the so-called Military Commissions Act, the most egregious assault on the Constitution since the Patriot Act of 2001. Wow, I didn't think I'd live as long long enough to see that one go. That's Magna Carta. The spirit of Runnymede no longer runs in our republic, said Vidal. Vidal stressed that the framework of the USA Patriot Act was erected with Bill Clinton's omnibus crime bill, a massive expansion of offenses that would mandate the death penalty, passed in the immediate aftermath of the Oklahoma City bombing. Vidal predicted within the next two years the bankruptcy of the U.S., citing vast unchecked payments to corporations like Halliburton and spiraling inflation. Labeling the Bush administration's legacy as a coup d'etat in which we lost the republic, the literary giant slammed Bush's claim that he's a wartime president and thus has a blank check to run roughshod over the Constitution. You have to have a country to have a war, and you cannot have a war unless declared by Congress, which they will not do, he said. They've got a mantra right now, which is totally incredible. If we don't fight them over there, we'll have to fight them over here. Well, how the hell are they going to get here, and to what end? These are questions which you could shut these people up with if there was any, ever, ever any media to attack or if there was a Congress capable of oversight, he said. But I'll compare the mantra to the same scare tactics used by Hermann Goering to frighten the Germans into submission under the pretext of an impending Soviet invasion. We'd all blame the media for abandoning its duty as the fifth estate and watchdog of power monopolies. Our greatest difficulty at the moment is that our media is totally corrupted, starting with the New York Times. The media belongs to our rulers, he said. In the old days, when something ghastly went wrong, you could count on journalists writing something about it. There are no voices expressing disagreement, said Vidal. He related how he appeared on the CBS TV morning discussion show shortly after the Oklahoma City bombing to discuss the motivations of Timothy McVeigh when mention of the Waco massacre caused the channel to abruptly cut his audio as a result of a military intelligence order to cease the feed. The controversial figure also predicted the demise of the Internet, stating they'll find a way of wrecking it. They can't have free speech in the U.S. because free speech will ultimately define them, name them, and describe their crime. While stopping short of claiming the Bush administration directly carried out 9-11, Vidal was certain that they let it happen on purpose, citing the head of the Pakistani ISI bankrolling the hijackers, while also meeting with U.S. government officials the week before on the morning of 9-11. What made no sense is that CNN wouldn't follow up on why the fighter planes hadn't been scrambled and gone up to stop the hijacking. That's the law of the land, and you don't need the president to order. You don't need a general. Those are your instructions. I know my father wrote them, said Vidal. When asked if there should be a new investigation of 9-11, Vidal insisted, of course there should be, and a wonderful time to do it would be at the impeachment of Bush. I think you might find everything we ought to know, but do not know. Asked if the Bush administration would go to the lengths of staging a terror attack to smokescreen their scandals, Vidal stated, they certainly know how to cry wolf. Let's say it was on their minds to stage an event. I don't know how they can do it. Luckily for us, we the people, they've antagonized the entire military. I don't think the military would let them. Despite his dark outlook on the future of freedom, Vidal hinted at a possible reprieve for America. I'm beginning to feel that the tide is turning, which is the first twinge of optimism I've felt in a long time, he said. Maybe he's looking at the polls, you think? Might be. Are we feeling that there's a little bit, a little ray of hope? I'd like it like little Ray Perry. There's a little ray for you. And you know what Ray says? If we could just have 75 more stations doing sports talk, it would bring a whole lot more listeners <laughs> to sports talk radio, right? Mm -hmm. That's what Ray says. That's why they hired his ass back again, because he's so perspicacious. He's got his eye on the balls, man. I try to keep him on the balls. 541 votes. Boy, I think we got a real good shot today, you know. I could be wrong. You must think I'm crazy. Well, yeah, but... When do we ever that. get to 1,500 votes during the show, huh? During the show. And don't forget now, 5 o'clock this afternoon, you're asked Simon. Oh, let me set my reminder. Yeah, see, if I wouldn't have said that right now, you wouldn't have changed the poll. Uh, yeah, maybe Josh would have me. Josh would have said, oh, the old man's out there at Woodbine losing yeah. his ass again. I better, I better switch that pole. Wouldn't you have said that, Josh? Yeah. No, you wouldn't. 
Well, last time I tried, and, you know, you got home early. And I beat you to it. But if I get home early, that means I won a lot of money. That's good news in both ways. That means I won a lot of cash, which means maybe I'll be sending out some people a check, although I, I don't know. I don't like to make promises and then not follow through, you know? Yeah. Or maybe I won't. Although if I went there today and won the progressive jackpot, 166 grand on the dollar wheel of fortune, I would probably send you guys a few cents. That's sweet. We'll not, take not it. Not a whole lot. Whatever it is. If it's a nickel, I'll take it. Okay, I'll send you a nickel and Josh a, a check. All right. For a nickel. 26 after 11 at 560 WQAM. Let me tell you again for the umpteen time that Lou Backroad is doing it, man, this month of October. They're on their race to 1,000. For the first time in their history, they want to sell 1,000 vehicles in one month. And I think they can do it. And if anybody ought to do it, it's these people because I've been buying my cars from them, my beautiful Corvettes and other vehicles, for a long, long time, about 20 years now. Lou Backroad, don't forget, is out to sell 1,000 cars this month, and they're staying open until midnight every night to get to that 1,000 number. And they got them all, including the hot new vests. They got trucks, SUVs, minivans, the biggest selection anywhere in town. They've also got used cars starting at just $39.95, every one of them backed by a Carfax guarantee. And because of the fact that they're trying to get to that 1,000, they got that race to 1,000 going on, they'll make you deals that you will not believe. They give you more money for your trade, 0% financing, rebates of up to six grand. Whatever it takes to make you a deal, they'll do it. Only at Lou Backroad Chevrolet, two locations for you in Pompano Beach, a quarter mile west of I-95, and in Coconut Creek on 441, just south of the uh, Sawgrass. Don't forget, Lou Backroad staying open until midnight every night. So get over to Lou Backroad this month. You've got almost another week to go. Get you the best deal on a Chevy you ever heard of in your life, or do your shopping right on their website at Lou Backroad, B-A-C-H-R-O-D-T, LouBackroad.com. The biggest names, the best talent. This is Neil Rogers, Sports Radio 560, U-A-M. Congressman Mark Foley gave me a goose on my side. My side. Said he wanted to give me some kisses too. My side. My side. Foley told me he would take me out of Tijuana. Stayed a moral Republican, man of honor. He knew I'm just a kid, but he put his hands and lips on my side. Like, he asked my opinion of what I like or not. Do you like it better on the bottom or top? And while you take a little time to decide, he said, Here comes Chunky, open wide. I like the fine young man who plays his soft and smooth hands on my thigh. My thigh. All the chat room dudes I want stuck like glue. My thigh. My thigh. Oh, I was molested as a boy, and I'm a heavy drinker. There's a plausible ploy. Hey, ain't I a thinker? I knew I made it as a page when a hand was placed on my thigh. I won't delay or say nay to a page whose hand is placed on my thigh. You fairy. Remember that uh, story that we were reading about uh, Miss Foley uh, getting a little bit tipsy, you know, and going to the dorm uh, of the papers? Yeah. Uh, man. All he wanted to do was deliver a package. Yeah. yeah. Was it rat on? Tom faxes and says if Bush decides to cancel the 2008 presidential election, who will be there to stop him? Mm -hmm. Who will be there when the lights go out? Who will be left uh, when the last American leaves uh, Sweetwater? All out of the crap. I don't know, Tom. I don't know. Something to think about. Maybe we'll take a poll on that. Who'll be there to stop Bush? 
live up to high standards. They ought to be. We'll put them up. Call it 153. I'm telling you, man, if we can get to a 1300 by the top of this hour, we are going to be so dangerous, it's going to be scary. I bet you it'll make the Washington Post tomorrow, don't you think? Huh? You know, I, I don't know why I, oh, I do know why I use it, just to aggravate Josh. No, I, I like it's that. not that. It's just because I'm lazy. That's right. the reason I use Internet Explorer is because sure. of that Alexa thing. Right. If Alexa worked to email stuff on um, Firefox, I would never go back to Explorer. I'd never dream of it. I wouldn't, I wouldn't let it darken my uh, computer. Yeah. 1262, because Firefox is great. In addition to which, it's much faster than Explorer. Yes, it is. And it doesn't, uh, it's not susceptible to having all of that spam and crap that people through there on Explorer. Less buggy, more user-friendly. Right. Much faster, but nevertheless. Now, there are some negatives to Firefox. What's that? Well, in certain aspects, like, uh, if you're, you know, a lot, you can't go to a lot of websites. So, some websites that are, like, very interactive want Internet Explorer. They want it. They want it? Bad. Really? Yeah. Like, like give me an example. Oh, I don't know. I wanted it. You want an example? Yeah. WQAM.com. Get out of here. Let me do it right now. Okay, I typed it in. I clicked it. And there it is. I got it. Well, I'm pretty sure you might not. Well, a lot of a lot of sites with video and... Uh, Although it does have that thing that says click here to download plug-in. Right. You won't be able to do that. And I click there and it just, uh, you know, it goes through a bunch of crap. Well, who the hell wants to see that anyway? Well, I'm saying a lot of stuff with, like, video you won't be able to watch unless you look at it through Explorer. You mean like you? Like that? No, not YouTube, but, uh, you know, just very multi, like a lot of multimedia on some sites. You won't be able to watch the videos and stuff. I, like I run into it every once in a great while, but it, but it's true. Big deal. Right. Should be our worst problem. And if would the you site rather, doesn't Would like you rather have that problem or would you rather have, like, half of the page no. missing when you try to print a story out? I don't, I don't uh, do business with sites that don't like Firefox. <laughs> you mean like WQM.com? It's a sports thing. Just ask Josh. He'll tell you. Now, did we ever get our uh, link back on there or what? In fact, let me go back to that. Let no, me... no, no. Well, the new site will be coming out very soon. Yeah. In other words, no. The answer is no. And no. But then it will, yes. Our host. Let me take a look at this thing where it says our host on QM.com. I clicked it. There's uh, the big O show. Look at that. And he's got that look on his face like, boy, don't you really take me seriously? No. The Kenny and Bo morning show. Well, that picture is taken from what? About a mile away of the guys in the uh, studio? Kenny and Bo Morning Show. It's a sports show. And then we got the Yours Truly. And then it's got that thing still on there, email Neil. And then you click on it, and it's got that stupid Outlook Express thing. Forget about that. It's not going to happen. Instead of having a link to our, web, uh, to our prestigious website, which is 50 billion times better than the QM website, by the way, instead of linking it to it, because we used to have those naked pictures on there back when our website was really popular, which it isn't anymore. Then there's the Mad Dog. Looking like he's just seen uh, Tom Brady naked. The Power Hour. Look at that. We don't have no Power Hour today because Mad Dog ain't on. In fact, is he off the rest of the week? Oh, jeez. Yeah. Oh, well, Curtis is a fine job. Curtis is on this afternoon and tomorrow and on Friday. At least we got no more of uh, no more of that one share guy. Well, he's busy with the Panthers anyway, right? He's got the Panthers. So we got Curtis on the rest of the week, so no power hour all week long. Although it does say on the schedule, the power hour with Hank. Well, well, well what does that mean, you know? Well, what, what kind of crap is that? I'm going to tell you, this is the worst schedule. It's obvious that Clarence is crumbling under the pressure. He can't handle it. Get him some therapy. Get that child some help. This is the between screwing up all the hockey games and having the wrong teams that they're playing and where they're playing. It's all week long having it screwed up. My favorite was that phantom game against the Flyers that he originally had for Friday night which didn't even exist. There's a Hank looking really uh, fat and uh, bubbly. Afternoons, 4 to 7, including that power. And there's Eddie Kay, who looks uh, much older than I've seen. It. That must be a new picture. Is it? Not really. 
God, he looks a hundred. He looks makes me look like a child. Eddie, bald as a cue ball. My God, he's got the Mo Howard David haircut. I haven't seen Eddie in a long time. I mean, you know, when you're dealing with guys who work like late at night or overnight, the daytime people and the late night people, uh, they almost never run into each other. Like when I used to do all those years, 8 to midnight, remember those years? No. I sure do. Yeah, you do. On WS News and INZ. Oh, that's right. You weren't listening back then. But nope. you claimed that you were. I was? I don't know. You listened what? I on Zeta? I never listened to talk radio until I started working in talk radio. Oh, in other words, that's why you're so unhappy now. That must well, be it. It's one of the reasons, anyway. 1274, we're going to do it. We're going to get to 1300 by when the little hand hits the big hand by noon. And that's going to create an explosion around the world. And I bet you in uh, Big Ben, although, let's see, it's coming up on 5 in the afternoon there. What, what the hell do they know? David Korn writes on the nation, how big will the anti-GOP wave be? Well, this is a good, uh, not real long, although I don't have time for it right now because we're going to do the break. We've got to do the break, and we've got to get a lot more votes on this poll today. Our whole object of being here is not to, like, entertain or not to, like, uh, you know, it's two things, making some money and, number two, getting a lot of votes on the poll, right? Right. Don't you remember those great calls? You ever going to do a show without a poll? No. Why? Why, why would we want to do that? It's part of the show. It's been part of the show for years now, right? Yes, and, of course, that was back in the day when I used to take phone calls, which was a bad mistake. That's one of the worst things. Oh, that, yeah. that one was like hanging in the air for a long time, you know? Oh, God. Don't you, don't you like to savor that? Yeah. It was good. <laughs> the, no, the worst is when you have, you're going to sneeze and then you can't do it. Oh, yeah. And it just goes away. Sneezes interrupt us. That's like you feel unfulfilled. Yeah, it's kind of, kind of like a sexual thing when sure. you're on the verge and then all uh-huh. that just don't happen. You know what I'm saying? I hate that. Yeah. 1,274 votes on the poll. We're going to do it. We're going to have 1,300 by the top of the hour. I bet you they have, like, special meetings across the street. 1,277. Stick that in your pipe and the smoke it, y'all. The biggest names, the best talent. This is Neil Rogers. They're making inroads in midday, though. They might get to a one Sunday. Welcome to the Mo Howard and David Show on Channel 1850 on your AM radio dial, beaming its mighty signal across Cooper City and beyond. Let's get started, shall we? Vote more for America, the Republican Party, or Hannibal Lecter? Ah, we'll get the answers in a moment. <laughs> but first, a few words for Egg-O-Matic, your convenient roadside stand for fresh eggs. Next time you're in the mood for fresh eggs, pull up to any phone booth-style Egg-O-Matic stand. Drop a couple of dollars in the hole, and out another hole will come somebody's hand filled with eggs. And then you take your eggs and uh, just go away. Mention my name, Mo Howard or David, and you'll get a handful of eggs at a regular price. And now, on to the show. Who's done more for the Republican Party? Uncle Charlie Christ or smooth, naked page boys? Yeah, man. Ah? Why, sure. <laughs> You're right, he stinks. Well, he's paying for it. Maybe we should move him to overnight Sunday morning. Hey! I see you guys talking about me over there. I read lips, you know. Think you're going to fire me, huh? Well, my little friend here says otherwise. See? I'm going to keep waving it at you till you back slowly away from that window. Put your pants back on. Huh? I said put your pants back on. 
All right. I'll put my pants back on. But if you think I gotta go through this every time I learn the gig, you got another thing coming, see? Then I'm gonna take my things and walk slowly away. I'm walking slowly away. Bye-bye, Mo. You know, I have one question about Spider-Man 2, and that is, how did the professor, once he got those long testicle, uh, tentacles, yes. once he put that outfit on there, how did he uh, take a shower? Oh, well, he didn't beyond that point. Oh. I'm thinking maybe they spritzed the body while wash on him. I'm thinking he got awfully gamey at that point. Yeah. He didn't look too uh, sanitary. No, he was schmutzy. 1,292 votes on the poll. We're going to make 1300 easy by the top of the hour. How do you like that, Joel? Put that in your peace pipe and smoke it. Put that in your bong and puff on it, you idiot. Rudy Giuliani has hired a new fundraiser. He used to work for top presidential advisor Carl Rove. The latest sign, the former mayor may be eyeing the White House. He's got his eye on it. Margaret Hoover, 28, made ten grand last month as the new deputy finance director for Solutions America, Giuliani's Federal Political Action Committee record show. Hoover's resume includes working on intergovernmental affairs for Rove, widely considered to be the mastermind behind President Bush's two election uh, steals, and working for Bush's 2004 campaign operation. Hoover, the great-granddaughter of former President Herbert Hoover, remember, two chickens in every pot and a finger up every, uh, yes. will report directly to Ann Dickinson, Giuliani's top fundraiser, another veteran of Bush's 2004 campaign. Giuliani has said for months he's weighing a run for president in 2008, a decision he recently said he hopes to make sometime next year. Last month, he donated a sizable 105 grand to other GOP candidates and causes around the nation, including 15 grand to candidates in Iowa and $5,000 to the New Hampshire Republican State Committee, both early presidential primary states. Rudy Giuliani. Uh, I'll guarantee you one thing, he'd kick Hillary's ass. Now, Elliot Spitzer is going to be the next governor of New York uh, in two weeks. He's going to get elected governor because Pataki can't run again. Elliot Spitzer, the attorney general of New York. All right. He's your next president. All right. Now, nobody else is telling you that. Everybody's saying, and I like Barack Obama, but I'm thinking that maybe he yeah. isn't, uh, you know, ready for prime no, time no, yet. No. In addition to which, you know, the Democrats, like Geraldine Ferraro, remember that? The first woman on a candidate on the uh, ticket, you know? Uh, they always do these things. Jew Lieberman put a uh -huh, Jew on the attack. That's right. Making sure that they give people reason to vote against them. Like they're delusional. Yeah. You mean like our management? Like that. David Korn on The Nation says, how big will the anti-GOP wave be? We are hoping really big, huge, huge. He said this morning, meaning yesterday morning, at a briefing on the congressional elections, an event that featured former representatives Dick Armey, Jennifer Dunn, and Dick Ebhardt, and that was sponsored by a Washington law firm, political analyst Charlie Cook, an independent handicapper trusted by Democrats and Republicans, offered good news for the Democrats. He compared 2006 to 1994, the year when Republicans shockingly seized control of both houses of Congress, netting a whopping 52 House seats. Cook noted that in October of 94, 39% of Americans said they believed the country was heading in the right direction, and 48% thought it was on the wrong track. Now the right-wrong track numbers are far more negative, 26% to 61% who say it's on the wrong track. In October 94, President Clinton's approval rating was 48%. These days, Bush is at about 38%. The approval rating for Congress in 1994 was 24%. Now it's 16%, with 75% giving Congress a thumbs down. In 94, Republicans had a six-point lead in polls, asking respondents to say whether they preferred a Republican or Democratic candidate. Now the Democrats have a 15-point edge. But when asked if their own member of Congress deserved re-election, in 1994, 49% said no. Now only 45% said no. In both years, 39% said boot the bum out. Boot the bum. Stick it up your bum, Joel. We got 1,300 votes. I just looked at it. Did you look at it? No. What's it look like? One, no, three, and then two. Oh, wow. oh, oh. Yeah, that, that, oh, oh. Kind of looks like the big oh. number in the morning, that 0.5. 
between five and seven. That must be just a fluke, okay? Because mm -hmm. he is legendary in his own mind. In fact, I think he's even rock solid. The bottom line, David Korn says, out of five key indicators of the national political mood, four are significantly worse for the Republicans in 2006 compared to the Democrats in 94. As Cook put it, the 2006 political wave at this moment is bigger than that in 94. But that doesn't mean the Democrats are going to win as many seats as the GOPers did 12 years ago. Gebhardt cautioned that congressional districts are far more gerrymandered these days than they were back then, which means fewer are in play, and that Republicans have had a year to prepare for this election and build a wall to hold back the coming storm. In 94, he said Democrats were taken by complete surprise, and Dunn, perhaps trying to convince himself, herself, maintained that her party had plenty of money to dump into the limited number of House contests up for grabs and will be able to prevent the Democrats from picking up more than a dozen House seats. They need 15 to get control of the House. Still, Cook, who attributes 70% of the electorate's sour mood to Bush's war in Iraq, was predicting a Democratic gain in the House of at least 20 and maybe 35 seats. As for the Senate, Cook described it as a toss-up with control of that body resting on what will happen in Missouri, Virginia, Tennessee, and New Jersey. The Democrats, according to Cook, probably will need three of these four races to win the Senate. He warned that there is a fair bit of volatility within the electorate and that it's nearly impossible to predict what will be happening by adding up outcomes in individual House races. In 94, he recalled, he and other tractors foresaw a GOP gain of 20 to 30 House seats, but nothing like what really happened. When there's a wave, Cook said, they always go bigger than you expect. Isn't that what the Beach Boys said? Catch a wave, it always gets bigger than you expect. That's what they said. You know, Jan and Dean, you know, just... Democrats who haven't done much to shape the current political dynamic can hope so. For nail-biters, the immediate questions are obvious. Can Bush and Karl Rove do anything in the last two weeks of the campaign to change the weather? There's not much time left for an October surprise. Can they pull off a November surprise? If not, and the forecast doesn't shift, can the Republicans construct fortifications to beat back the wave in just enough spots to keep their majority afloat in Congress? Cook thinks not. I'm not going to be gutsy and make any predictions except this, says uh, David Korn. Rove is either about to meet his Waterloo or confirm his reputation as an odds-defying political genius. One or the other. Got it? Got it. 13.06 on that poll. We're going to have 1,500 during the show today, which means we got a few people listening out there, or we're just lucky, one like that. Mm -hmm. and if we're lucky, it's a good thing it's Woodbine Wednesday. Maybe i got to play the um, progressive, what do they call that, uh, megabucks. Jackpot's okay. like $2.4 Well, there you go. It's like playing the lottery. Got no chance. But if I hit it, I would send you guys each, you know, an envelope. Excellent. Nothing in it, but an envelope. Oh, that's, that's nice. So yeah. what's, what's the difference between the progressive slots and those conservative slots? Maureen Dowd in the Times today, running against themselves, which I think is what you're doing right now. Do I have time to read this before the break? If you read fast. I'm, I'm not going to read fast. I don't want to do that. Because then you start. See, one thing so, about you, you don't read these bedtime stories because you're inarticulate. That's the problem. Right. Because you don't speak in English. Huh? Almost. So as, as a result of that, you, you don't understand it. Well, I don't know how long it is. Well, it's long, man. And the story either. It's long. I'm so disappointed about James Franco, I can't begin to tell you. Well, I'm sorry about that. I thought I'd met my hero. Well, you haven't seen that, Tristan. Now, what's his name? Uh, there, Josh, he saw it, right? Yes, I did. Now, I'm not going to ask you because obviously you get all squeamish, you know, all squirmish and squeamish and, you know, antsy. But you will have to admit that he looked, of course, back... No, but in that movie, they all had all that uh, crap on. You know, it was the days of the medieval warriors. You know, they all had a lot of crap on. A lot of baggage. That's right. So, so they all looked like they were all bulked up and uh, butched up. But then when they took all of that off, they might have been like, uh, looked like Karen Carpenter on a bad day. They might have looked like Kate Moss. In fact, I'm told that when he does get naked, James Franco looks a lot like Kate Moss. That's bad. 1308 on the pool. What do Americans do better than anyone else in the world? Spend money on crap, 376. And the people who make crap, by the way, are very grateful. Thank you for doing that. 
God bless you. God bless America. Stay stupid, 221. Deny reality, 197. Make war, 115. Kill, 94. In fact, a very famous philosopher who used to work at WQAM not all that long ago, he told me that's America's number one hobby. Kill some people. Well, it's just in there, you know. Pollute, 82. Waste time, 55. Uh, do movies, 51. Screw, 46. Party slash get intoxicated, 24. Now, I got news for a man. Them Europeans, they got you beat on that. They're drunk before noon every day. Lie, 20. Medicine, 19. And drive badly still. Solamente Ocho is in on Calle Ocho. The biggest Don't names of there. best talent. Not if you speak English. Neil Rogers. Sports Radio 560. Q-A-M. This is Mark Morgan. It's the 12 to 1 hour on QAM. If you're offended by that other down-home family-style restaurant with Cracker in the name, then you better stay the hell away from the new down-home family-style restaurant with Cracker in the name. But if you ain't, come on in to White Cracker Barrel. You'll be seated in one of our two separate but equal dining rooms. In the white room, you'll enjoy a cocktail like a white Russian, white lady, white spider, or any type of wine, as long as it's white, or a beer. And the kids will enjoy Kool-Aid or milk, sorry, no chocolate. Relax to our piped-in music with no rhythm whatsoever. Your discriminating taste will be prejudiced for our new exclusive menu, like southern fried chicken, white meat, of course, smothered in white gravy. Or try the other white meat, pork chops with applesauce. And for the seafood lover, try our exclusive whitened Cajun white fish. And everything is served smothered in mayonnaise. And in our black dining room, you can sit in the back, finish your meal, then get the hell out. Either way, you'll get what you deserve at the all-new white crack. Cracker Barrel, down-home family-style restaurants, where white is always right. 1201 at 560 WQM. Now, you like the uh, uh, white soup or the red soup? Oh, that's po' folks. Right. I just so Sean together. sends us some stuff for our... Uh, oh, and by the way, there's a really funny bit that you can't play on the new with this here. From the minds that brought you the newest reality craze on TV, Dancing with the Stars, comes a new reality show that is going to blow you away. <laughs> oh, poopy. <laughs> What? <laughs> it's called Pooping with the Stars. Well, we can't yeah, play it. I, uh, I saved a copy anyway. No. It, it's worth it. It's uh, great. All the good stuff we can't play. We apologize to the I audience. It's the really funny stuff we can't play anymore because we get joist. Anyway, so Sean sends me a bunch of polls. Thanks a lot, Sean. Although, uh, uh, that first one there. Yeah, I, I have no idea what that is. Did, well, Google it. <laughs> right? If you haven't eaten a big breakfast, Google it. Okay? And click on the second listing there on the Google, and you'll just, uh, well, whatever. But anyway, uh, Sean says, in my naive youth, I assume nothing could be more depressing than a healthy Bob Lasseter doing a radio show. I was wrong. Two minutes reading the poor man's death blog would have Roberto Benigni swallowing Zoloft by the fistful. I don't know if Bob abused himself to death or his malady was unavoidably genetic, but please, everyone, get some damn exercise, says Sean. Exercise. Regular exercise will have to overcome a marginal diet, but the best diet in the world cannot compensate for no exercise. Besides, a few muscles count as hard currency when you're trying to get laid, says Sean. Uh, I don't think Blabo is a problem. Of course, when you're in radio, you sit on your ass all the time, and I certainly don't imagine that he was one of those people who got a lot of exercise any more than I do. But uh, he was, uh, once upon a time, a really huge guy. Mm-hmm. And when you're really huge and you have diabetes and it's out of control, and, and admittedly, uh, you know, I talked to him about it, and if you were reading his blog, you know, along the way, uh, you know, he just, he just didn't pay any attention to it. And even with me, even with the, some of the crap that I eat, like when I tell you on days that I had a pint of ice cream and my blood sugar, you know, it, it gets up there. But I, I take enough medication to get it back down. I try to keep it within a reasonable range. Although one of these days, I'm sure I'll pay. I'll pay a wicked price. That's and right. And he did. And he did. And we should learn by his example. But like I said the other day, it's easy to say that, but uh, we're hooked, so we can't do it. We're addicted. 
So what do you think of that pooping with the stars? Oh, it's hysterical. Well, you should play it twice. Brought you the newest. <laughs> and on a related subject. Yes? Uh, that gaping business. Oh, no. Yeah. You Google it. We can't discuss that on the air. What do you mean by that? I know we can't it's discuss disgusting. it on the air. Well, that's why I told, I told you uh, I don't want to talk about it. You're the one that talks about this yeah. crap, not me. Well, my mouth is agape from reading about it. Well, there's not, it's not the only thing that's agape if you look at that website. Uh-huh. Oh, oh, man. Wow. Nish Panier. Yeah. And I'm supposed to be the pervert, right? Yeah. <laughs> Sean. Thanks, Sean. 1,336 votes on the poll, man. We're going to have over 1,400 by 1 o'clock. We got the fifth. We got it licked, man. Speaking of perversion, we got it licked. Maureen Dowd says, running against themselves. Here's her column from this morning's New York Times. Maureen Dowd, won't cost you a dime. Things have become so dire for the Republicans that now even Bush is distancing himself from Bush. The president is cutting and running from the president. In a momentous event at the White House on Monday, Tony Snow made a major announcement about an important new strategy in Iraq. The president will no longer stay, on, stay the course on the rallying cry, stay the course. A presidency built on a message discipline, message stay the course, is trying to salvage itself with some last-minute unmessaging, message no more stay the course. Of course, the administration has never really said what the course is, so it was never really apparent what staying it meant anyhow. It was a wacky moment for Tony Snow, who renounced the slogan while sticking to the policy. It left the wrong impression about what was going on, the press secretary said, and allowed critics to say, well, here's an administration that just embarked upon a policy and not looking at what the situation is, when in fact it's just the opposite. The important thing was that the cliché sounded good to Republicans, strong and virile for a while. The pollsters for the White House seemed to be the last to learn that even many of the party faithful had soured on the phrase, deeming it inflexible and stupid. Has Karl Rove, who urged GOP candidates to keep the Democrats on the defensive on national security, lost his magic? In a White House with a Fox News all-spin sensibility, officials don't think they need to change the strategy as much as they need to change their slogan. The overworked Bush phrase suggested burying your head in the sand. Steve Hunkson, political director at Lunds Research Company, is a GOP public opinion firm, told the Washington Post, Peter Baker. The problem is, oh, I wonder if he's kin to Peter Parker. Spider-Man, Spider- huh, Peter, wasn't that his name? Yes. The problem is, I wonder where he parked his uh, scooter. Oh. <laughs> the problem is that the number of people who are agreeing with the remaining resolute dwindles. That sort of language doesn't strike a chord as much as it once did. Unwilling to admit mistakes or face the urgent need to go past semantic changes in a protectorate that has fallen into the vicious civil war in which Americans are merely referees and targets, the White House is falling back on marketing. Just as Andy Card rolled out the war as a marketing event, the Bush team now thinks that all it needs to do is come up with a catchy and chesty new advertising pitch. Babe Buchanan assured Wolf Blitzkrieg that the president still intended to stay the course and seek victory. He just wouldn't use that phrase because it gave people the impression that W was unwilling to change tactics. After all, Dick Cheney told Rush Limbaugh last week that the inept Iraqi government was doing remarkably well. But given the Republican meltdown, it's obvious the Democrats are having better luck mocking the Republicans for staying the course than Republicans are having mocking the Democrats for cutting and running. But Democrats have no ingenious ideas about how to extricate ourselves from this nasty war either. Yet W once more accused the Democrats of wanting to cut and run in Iraq at a campaign stop in Sarasota yesterday. Many frantic Republican lawmakers also are running against themselves, either reneging on their support for the war they started or raiding against Washington, the town they absolutely control, claiming that the Capitol has forgotten their values or making ads denouncing the Democrats' homosexual agenda, even though Republicans are now the party of gay scandal. It's a hilarious spectacle of whole party reenacting this classic scene in Mel Brooks' Blazing Saddles in which the sheriff holds the gun to his own head to take himself hostage. The Bushes don't connect words with action. Action is something that's secretly plotted with the inner circle behind closed doors. The public should stay out of it. 
The Bushes just connect words with salesmanship. Poppy Bush never meant it when he said, read my lips, no new taxes, at the 98 convention. It was just a Clint Eastwood-sounding line in a Peggy Noonan speech meant to pump up his flighty image. Just so, his son never paid any mind to his campaign promise not to nation-build, and he didn't come through on his bullhorn pledge to catch the perpetrators of 9-11 or his tough guy vow to bring in Osama dead or alive. To W, the words he says to Americans don't matter as much as the words Dick Cheney says to him. He just has to hope that Daddy's friend, James Baker, the smooth fixer who's co-chairman of the Iraq Study Group and who's already suggested moving past the meaningless partisan jargon of cut and run and stay the course, comes up with some plan to rescue Junior from a fine mess one more time. That's your girlfriend, Maureen Dowd. She's sweet. Sweet. Speaking of uh, the lost package, 1,343 votes on the poll. And that's one thing about the uh, Spider-Man movies, though. It's like it's like all these um, superhero movies, you know. That? They're well, they're like all obsessed with like like in uh, Smallville. He's obsessed with Lana, mm-hmm. but they never do anything, you know. Right. Well, you, at least in that movie, they bore out why it's like it's difficult to have a relationship when you can never show up for a date because uh, bank robbers or something. You know, it's not like he didn't want. We to. don't. We don't ever see that in Smallville, though. Is he running around catching bank robbers? I don't know. He's catching stuff. Catching crap from uh, Lionel Luther. Right. But, you know, finally he got it together in the end, and we were all happy. He got it in the end? Yeah. Go get him, Tiger. What are you talking about? In the movie, in Spider-Man 2, he finally resolved Oh, in resolved Spider-Man it. 2, all in yeah. the end of the movie. Yeah, well, of course. Yeah. Finally, he was able to reconcile the uh, the two lives there. After they went through that traumatic uh, sure. thing in that uh, gigantic building there. Hi. <laughs> Yeah, that that was pretty. See, the dialogue is written for him. It's written for Sugar sure. The character was shaped around <laughs> him, and the That's dialogue right. is written for him. A real nerd. You know, this is really heavy. Yeah. Oh, he's such a nerd. As in move, you No bitch. wonder he couldn't get laid. At any rate, although I think he had his eye on the Harry. <laughs> well, they were roommates. Well, they are going to be tangling. They were roommates. They yes, looked a little they bit old to be roommates to me. You know what they say about guys over like 18 or 19 who live together, Josh? Nice timing, too. Got a mouthful of spaghetti. Oh, I just puked it all out, huh? <laughs> mouthful of spaghetti, huh? Is it from Tony's, I bet? Yes. How come you never thank uh, any Brad or we anybody on here? thank Brad anymore? and Tony's and the people at Howie's. Uh, no, you don't. You just take it. it for granted, though. It's like no, entitlement. No, it's like love because it. of the fact that you're on the show, you're entitled to uh, just hop up the free food. Oh, as a matter of fact, that scene in the movie, oh, it, it was perfect. Where the, he's, got, he's working as a pizza delivery kid? Yeah. yeah. And he, he's busy, uh, you know, doing his thing there on his uh, spider webs. And so he just momentarily, he drops the pizzas on the guy's balcony there right. to, to get him out of his hands for a second because he's got other bigger fish to fry. Mm-hmm. And just as he's coming back to pick up the four boxes of pizzas again, the guy uh, goes in there and steals a slice. Right. He goes, I, can't tell you what, I can't tell you who I was thinking of at that point. And then, of course, the red comes back and grabs the slice right. right out of his hand. Now, that was justice. Okay, we didn't even have to call Don Corleone. That was justice. We needed Spider-Man here in the building for a little while there. Yeah, that's right. Be the pizza when somebody was trying to hop up all the pizza. That pizza thief. 1351. Oh, and there's Michael Fox. Now, do you really believe that he's, uh, I mean... <laughs> The, that that. I mean, what are you laughing about? That's very. That's in very bad taste. Rush has said a lot of uh, outrageous things in the past, but I, yeah. I, I think he's uh, he's reached a new limit. No, there, there is no low. There there is no uh, low that he can't not. transcend. Apparently not. I mean, if you were to ask Rush how low can you go, he'd say how low can you find him? Like, like yeah, I'm not big having Parkinson's. It gets yeah. the chicks. Hey, I got news for you. Tom Jicka told me years ago, Michael J. Fox is getting all the action he wants. That's what Tom told me. Well, he's got all the moves. 
Now, there he is. He's just standing up there at that podium. A member of uh, Congress or a candidate for any office. And Michael J. Fox is living every day with the effects of a lack of stem cell research support. He is a number one qualified to talk on this issue, and I commend him. Let's think of the bravery it took for him to go on. Get up there and uh, put on an act like that. Anyway, Rush Limbaugh will say anything to attack anyone who challenges George Bush and his policies. This time his target is Michael J. Fox. Meds are something Rush has a little experience with. Rush Limbaugh accused Michael J. Fox, actor and Parkinson's disease victim, of deliberately going off his meds to appear on camera with exaggerated symptoms of his disease for dramatic effect. Fox appeared in a recent Claire McCaskill Senate campaign ad touting the need for stem cell research. Limbaugh even goes so far as to accuse Fox of faking his symptoms altogether. How do you like that? Uh-huh. He says, I stated when I saw the ad, I was commenting to you about it, that he was either off the medication or he was acting. He's an actor, after all. Despicable. And then it's, it just goes on. What did you call me? Despicable is what I said. Incredible. Right. <laughs> so there you go. Picking on some poor shaky guy like poor Michael J. Fox. That's Rush. I notice Rush ain't uh, working on those ABC football broadcasts anymore, is he? Or was it ESPN? I figured whatever the hell it was. Yeah, that came difference. Talking about uh, who the hell was he talking about? Donovan the Eagles McNabb. quarterback, Donovan McNabb. I bet you weren't thinking too many good things about him either there in the late stages of your game on Sunday as he brought the Eagles back from that 17 nothing deficit, and it looked like the Eagles had snatched victory from the jaws of defeat. But just like the Democrats, at the very last second, yeah, they got as the, the clock out. was running out, they snatched defeat from the jaws of victory. Eagles did, which they stole that special. That's usually the uh, buck specialty. By the way, at least had a nice game against Ottawa last night. They lost 6-2. to two. That was nice. They always lose to Ottawa during the regular season. They just wait. They set them up for the playoffs. Sounds good to me. 1361, man. We got a shot at 85 million votes today, man. It's going to be the talk of the radio business. The biggest names, the best talent. We ain't about it. Neil Rogers. Sports Radio 560. UAM. Moving the puck around in there with that big stick. He shoots. And there's the For a goal. Hi, everybody. That was me. I'm the voice of the pandemic. Yeah, I love it. Hey, how you doing up there in Boca, Mo? It's an apologize off your feet, huh? Told you I'd get your time slot. <laughs> now I'm going to change the face of Budget Conscious Sporthole Radio. Starting with an interview with a generic Sporthole Spuffman. I don't want to like the fire under the ass entertainment. Now, don't matter who this is, because uh, they all sound alike. Roll it, hey. Do as I say. Thanks for doing this interview with me. I'll make a 100% effort to perform well. So, yeah, how come all you sports guys are like that? So cockiness and uh, stupid. Well, we have to go to college, but never really attend classes. Just like not too smart is the situation we have. You think raving about male athletes and worshiping their jock straps is a little, uh, gay? Hmm? And uh, just a little on the uh, curious side, huh? Maybe uh, stretch it out after seeing a few tight butts. Hmm? Is that what it is? We like women. We are programmed to do so. You heard this station. Uh, outside of one show, you ever hear anyone talk about girls? Mm. Mm, it is a little. Weird. Okay. There's two or three very lonely men with very small things who need to hear this. What? Yeah, he kind of left a gap in our programming there when we had him on, you know. A gape. A, yeah, a gaping gap. Oh, speaking of that, uh, and that's why I played it. 
An embattled Indiana congressman has launched a new campaign ad that warns a vote for his Democratic opponent could trigger a shift in House leadership and advance a homosexual agenda. Oh, there you my go. God. You faggots. And the one-minute radio ad paid for by friends of Representative John Hostetler. Oh, he sounds like a, uh, an Amish guy to me. Mm-hmm. Or a Kraut. Hostetler? Well, that's what all those names are anyway. All those Amish names. Oh. An announcer impersonating Clint Eastwood's Dirty Harry character says a vote for challenger Brad Ellsworth would be a vote for California Democrat Nancy Pelosi as House Speaker. Pelosi will then put in motion her radical plan to advance the homosexual agenda led by Barney Frank, reprimanded by the House after paying for sex with a man who ran a gay brothel out of Congressman Frank's home, the narrator says. Frank, Democrat of Massachusetts, became the first member of Congress to voluntarily make homosexuality public in 1987. In 89, a gay prostitute and former companion of Frank's named Stephen Gobi alleged Frank knew that he ran a gay prostitution ring out of the congressman's Washington, D.C. apartment. The House Ethics Committee rejected Gobi's charges as untrue in 90. They did find that Frank fixed parking tickets accumulated by Gobi and wrote a misleading memo for him. The House issued a public reprimand to Barney for those issues. They said, You fairy! The ad which debuted Saturday across southwestern Indiana also accuses Ellsworth of wanting to give amnesty to millions of illegal aliens with Detroit liberal John Conyers and raise taxes with New York liberal Charlie Rangel. I know what you're thinking, the narrator says. Is this true? Well, do you feel lucky? Go ahead, vote for Brad Ellsworth. Make Nancy Pelosi's day. Ellsworth's campaign called the ad sensational and false. The race is not about Nancy Pelosi or San Francisco, spokesman Matt Weissman said. What it's about is going to, who's going to do the best job of representing yada, yada, yada. The gay agenda, baby. Always got to have a good scapegoat. Mm-hmm. I mean, for you know, a long time it was the Jews, and now it's the, uh, and of course the gay Jews. You oh, oh, boy. Like Miss Fudge. What about gay Muslims now? <clears throat> 1,370 votes on the poll, man. We're going to have 1,400 easy by the top of the hour. We're going to ease into 1,500. Do you believe it? When sure, I told you at 10.15 this morning we're going to go for 1,500 votes on the poll today, you must have both been thinking, this guy is crazy. He's a crazy old coot. Well, not because of that. Even before I said that, you were thinking that. I got news for you. My paycheck showed up yesterday, a day early. Mm-hmm. Nice going there, Clarence and Joe. And whoever's in the county. Who's in the county? Deb? Okay. Deb? Jenny, Michelle. Oh, everybody there. Nice going. And don't forget that bonus check. Get that baby in there real quick. Yeah, please. See, I mean, that was, that was really a very bizarre thing that happened Saturday morning. I'm sitting there at Woodbine. I'm not doing all that well at that point. I did make a comeback and broke even. Thanks, God. Later on. But I'm sitting there losing, and I get an email from Clarence, and here's the ratings. And I see we're number one again. Very unexpected. Weren't you surprised? Weren't you shocked? You know, I'm just too nauseous to call it one way or another when uh, it's before <laughs> summer rating time. And so I'm thinking to myself, well, I got that nice bonus there, and even though it's the summertime and I get like a very paltry sum compared to the rest of the year, uh, you know, it doesn't make any difference whether I win or lose this morning. And mm-hmm. then wouldn't you know it, as luck would have it, up popped that 1500 on the line, and I broke even at the, uh, you know, it was on my a machine. Good day. And I flew out of there. It was a, gay, a great, great day. I wonder what Lou Dobbs would think about this story. Although majority of Americans support increasing the number of border patrol agents along the U.S.-Mexican border, most do not support building that 700-mile fence along the border, according to a CNN poll that came out yesterday. Today, 74% of 1,013 poll respondents said they would be in favor of more U.S. agents along the border, but only 45% said they wanted a border fence built, according to the survey conducted by Opinion Research Corp. on behalf of CNN. And I bet you Lou Dobbs ain't too pleased about that. He wants a big old fence. He wants to go down there and shoot them as they come across the border, I'll bet. Okay. And while 58% said they would support large fines on employers who hire illegal immigrants, 54% said they would oppose jail terms for those employers. More than two-thirds of poll respondents, 67%, said the number of illegal immigrants in the U.S. should be decreased 
but only 34% said all illegal immigrants should be removed. 67% said the number of illegal immigrants should be decreased. That's like saying that 67% said there ought to be uh, fewer robberies. I mean, what, what does that mean? Deport them. Deport them all. The numbers for the recent poll, roughly the same as similar poll conducted in June. And Lou Dobbs uh, is all whipped up into a frenzy. Talk about a one-note Charlie, man. They're destroying the middle class, and it's because of all these illegals, all you uh, spicks, you know, whatever you say. Disgraceful. Of course, it's, yes, it's not, an eth- not an ethnic thing. You understand that? It's I do understand. With it's an illegal thing. It's not an anti-Mexican thing. It's just where they're from. Oh, no matter where the hell they come from. That's from. right. All these other Latinos from all over Latin America are pouring in through Mexico. And, of course, if they build that gigantic fence, I mean, how difficult is it going to be for them to dig tunnels underneath the fence or, like, drill up, make holes in the fence? Well, they're huh? hard workers, you know. That's right. they got a lot of experience doing that, making holes in things. Drilling. They'll drill a gaping gap in that fence. <laughs> hey, Sean, get yourself some help, Sean. Well, it's your fault. You're the one who got them all whipped up with that damn thing about facials. I well, if you're, if you're not going to use that pole, I'm on vacation for a week, and I come in and I look to see what kind of insipid, grotesque pole George has taken that day, and it's like, uh, oh, God. So what did you vote on it? I said, what that? <laughs> 1,385 votes on the poll. I bet you that I bet you they're having a staff meeting about this right now. About what? I'm not talking about across the street. I'm talking about in our building. About, about the fact that we got so many people voting on our poll today. Oh, 1385. Yeah. Do we have that many people listening in the morning yet? And that's because nobody's discovered the Kenny and Bo morning show yet. That's because there's no promotion yet. Hey, Kenny, we're very sorry that they're uh, sandbagging. The biggest names, the best talent. Good night, Kenny. You're getting uh, Sports Radio 560. Q-A-M. This nonsense. Utter nonsense. Hey, everybody. I'm former heavyweight champion of the world, Mike Tyson. Oh, my God. I'm coming to see you to fight you. Anybody want to fight Mike Tyson? I need the money. I used to be fast as lightning. I still am a legal. Remember when I did that fighting? Rock. But I'm still so exciting, and Jesus loves me too. I'm all washed up as been, but I'm the craziest around. When I get into the ring now, one hit, now I fall down. Now I'm going out on tour, and I think I'm going to score. And if I fight against the chick, if I lose, I'll fight you on the chick. Hey, baby, I'm on my Tyson. You know you want it. Even if I got no license, I from the time that I did that fighting. Tastes like chicken, you know. My fish will be flashing and dashing. Oh, yeah, I'm Iron Mike Tyson. I'm the most beautiful boxer that ever lived. And I'm gonna, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna eat your kids. And I'm gonna play you till you love me. Cause you know you love me. Everybody loves me. I just love everybody. <laughs> yeah. 1,395 votes on a poll. How do you like that? Aren't you impressed? It's only 1,232. And you'll be even more impressed when you understand that I got my shirt and my pants on. Impressive. My pantaloonies. Not exciting? Mm, no comment. And I've even got my um, my cab fare in my uh, shirt pocket. Well, you talk about being prepared, man. Talk about a ritualized uh, mm-hmm. and wonderful life. Active duty troops voice their dissent from U.S. policy in Iraq. Boy, how come you didn't tell me a long time ago to get rid of that explorer and get on this... Uh, Oh, uh, because I really don't like you, and I talk behind your back all the time. Oh. Liam Madden opposed the war in Iraq even before he deployed with his Marine unit in late 2004, but he came home convinced more than ever that the war was wrong. 
The more informed I got, the more I opposed the war, said Madden, 22, a Marine Corps sergeant in Quantico, Virginia. The more people who died there, the longer we stayed there, the more I opposed the war. The more I know, the easier it is to support withdrawal. Madden is one of about 118 members of the U.S. military who planned a petition in Congress asking that U.S. forces be withdrawn from Iraq and brought home, said Attorney J.E. McNeil. I wonder if he's kind to Archie McNeil. Who? McNeil is advising the grassroots group of active duty service members who organized the petition drive through a website in a rare display of public dissent. Madden and other servicemen plan to go public today with their disapproval. Members of the military are more limited than civilians in how they can express dissent. Although a number of troops, including at least one other officer, one officer, have been brought up on charges for refusing to serve in Iraq, and dozens more have deserted, this is the first time that serving members of the U.S. military have publicly petitioned Congress to end the war. The action comes less than two weeks before the elections in which Iraq is a major issue. No kidding. Bring them home, baby, now. No more dead people. If they want to kill each other over there, let them have a good time. That's right. Right? Sure, they've been doing it for thousands of years. 1,401 votes. Oh! Just like Israel and lesbian on there with that Hezbollah business. And yeah. you notice how nobody even talks about that anymore? No. Except when we talk about those cluster bombs and the phosphorus and all that stuff. Nobody even talks about that no more. What a, what a disgrace. That, that's part of what we export. That's what America exports best. In fact, that should be number one is kill people. Yeah. Not going to do it on the poll. Yeah. we got 1,401 on the poll. Is there any doubt in your nimble mind whether we'll make that 1,500 now or not? No. No doubt. None. Molly Ivins writes, it's good to be the richest of the rich. Sure like to give it a shot for a few weeks, wouldn't you? <laughs> yeah. She says, oh, goody, according to the White House press office, President Bush will spend much of the next two weeks discussing what a swell economy we have. Did you know that the Dow Jones Industrial Average is at its highest point ever? And the NASDAQ, ditto. Wow, breathtaking, huh? But the Dow is not a good indicator of how things are really going for the majority of Americans. I just love listening to the Bushies play with numbers. When Bush took over in 2001, he predicted a surplus of $516 billion for fiscal year 2006. Last week, the administration announced a 2006 deficit of $248 billion, missing its projection for this year by $764 billion. Bush said the numbers are proof that pro-growth economic policies work are an example of sound fiscal policies here in Washington. This is highly reminiscent of Dick Cheney's recent observation about the Iraqi government. If you look at the general overall situation, they're doing remarkably well, he said. Bush's main talking point on the budget is that he cut the deficit in half. That would be from 2004, the year the White House inflated the projected deficit for political reasons. Even conservatives disagree. Brian Riddell of the Heritage Foundation says the White House has a track record of projecting budget numbers to be a lot worse than they end up, which therefore help them defeat the gloomy expectations and declare victory. If Bush does manage to make the tax cuts permanent, he'll add more than $3 trillion to the deficit over the next 10 years. The federal budget would be virtually in balance if there had been no tax cuts. Bush's version of doing remarkably well includes a trade gap, now a record $69.9 billion, up 2.7% since July. Short of a big correction in consumer spending, the best we can hope for is that the trade deficit stabilizes Stephen Stanley, chief economist at RBS Greenwich Capital, told Bloomberg.com. Meanwhile, what we see in the economy as a whole is an immense shift of wealth from the poor and middle class to the very rich. It seems a little painful to have to point this out yet again after six solid years of it, but these are lies, damn lies, and statistics. Just to give you an idea of how dependable the Bush numbers are, the Department of Health and Human Services put out a press release a few weeks ago telling senior citizens that they'll have new options with low cost and that monthly premiums in 07 will be the same as in 06. The Medicare prescription drug benefit just keeps getting better, burbled HHS. They seem to have been taking too much in the way of prescription drugs. Henry Waxman, one of the most singularly useful members of Congress, found that average premiums will actually increase by over 10% next year. And for the lowest price plans, average premiums will be up over 44%. It's not merely confusing arithmetic, it's deceptive advertising, Waxman said. 
while lightening the tax burden for the rich, other parts of the Bush economic program continue to undermine the middle class of this country. As you may recall, in 2005, the credit industry successfully rammed a disgraceful bankruptcy reform bill through Congress. It's working out just the way we expected it to. Middle-class families are borrowing more than ever to make ends meet. Most families go under if, A, they lose a job, or, B, they have a health emergency crisis. One attorney sums up the legislation's impact. It's designed to make life miserable for anybody who owes money. It's a help the bank squish the little guy law. Bush's remarkably good economy is good only for the richest. For the rest of us, incomes are stagnant, and education and health care costs are skyrocketing. The Republican Congress blindly rubber-stamps policies designed to help only a few. Are you better off than you were six years ago? Ask Molly Ivins. Didn't we uh, read that she's uh, got breast cancer, Molly? Uh, you might have. I forgot. Yeah. What do you mean you forgot? You're so insensitive. I'm not keeping man. track of the breast cancer. How do you cases? develop this hatred of women in your later years? I, just I, don't, I don't hate women. Not all of them. No. Uh-oh, polls show X-rated page scandal hurting Republicans. There's fat... Uh, point, which, of course, is outside the room there. Quasimodo. Uh, that they yeah. are developing a narrative, and they are getting pretty close to all... There's fat Denny Hastert there. With the, and look at that. He's got some sprinkles on his uh, collar there. Yeah, Tom, Maybe Mark Foley. Mark does. Foley had something on his collar, too, but it didn't look uh-huh. like sprinkles. It looked like somebody sprinkled it on his collar. 1,418 votes on the poll. Man, we got the 1,500 made in the shade. I would go back there and I would run into Clarence's office and just jump on his desk like Rumble Stiltskin. Just jump up and down screaming, We got 1,500 votes today, you jackass! Wouldn't that be great? Yeah. yeah. Take a picture of it. What do American now... And how are we doing on our, um... My, uh, my, uh, thing? Now, see, I haven't put that on here yet. Your thing? I haven't put it on my thing yet. On my MySpace, we had 699. We had 699 friends. All right. On MySpace. Now, is that pretty good? See, I have no gauge. Damn there's good. some really, there's some really good what? stuff on there. Gaze? Are you looking at it? I'm going to it. And what does it say? When we started this morning, we had 699. You know, well, we can hop thing. over that 700 total a day. If we can make a new friend today on MySpace.com, wouldn't that be great? That'd be special. And, of course, if they happen to put a picture up there, and it's somebody that really uh, turns somebody on, you know? That'd be better. Some young, living, and breathing person. Of legal age, of course. And we can all sit around and go, <laughs> well, we wouldn't all be 700 like even. 700 even. What did I tell you? Oh! This is the day, man. I'm going to play lots of machines today. The biggest names of best talent. It's in the air. I can smell it. Rogers, Sports Radio 560. QAM. Stench of cow manure hovers over this performance by the Dolphins. All right, Miami has the Dolphins, and here we go again. Another losing season that's never gonna end. They never win, they never will, and I will never know why Sports Illustrated picked them to win the Super Bowl. Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins number. How many teams in the league? 32. Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins, the same old story, nothing new. The Dolphins are such losers, they really are quite lame. I knew it from the very start. I watched the Pittsburgh game. Oh, and did you see the wimpy way Nick Saban threw that flag? Yes. Standing on the sidelines, he looked just like a fag. And there the you Miami Dolphins. Miami Dolphins. Miami Dolphins number. How many teams in the league? 32. Miami Dolphins. 
Miami Dolphins, their problems stick to them like glue. The Dolphins lost to Buffalo and then beat Tennessee. It's only by sheer luck that they pulled out a victory. And then they played the Texans, it almost made me sick. That stupid two-point pass play, that fumbling onside kick, and they're the <laughs> Miami Dolphins. Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins number. How many teams in the league? So. Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins. Poland Omari needs new shoes. The Dolphins can't control the ball. Their running game is flat. As for their execution, well, I'd agree with that. They're always gonna blow a lead of that, you can be sure. And when they leave the field, so has a stench of cow manure. And they're the Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins number. How many teams in the league? Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins. Give them another shot of But Dolphins have no strategy, they play like idiots. Another couple games lost to the Patriots and Jets. I think they're all retarded, it's almost like they're cursed. Ask Jason Taylor and Zach Thomas which team is the worst, and they'll say Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins number, oh what the hell, 32, Miami Dolphins. Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins, now they're through. 702 friends, that's the good news on MySpace page. The bad news is that uh, Firefox sucks. Does it? Yeah, because I just I just uh, clicked on uh, MySpace on our page on there on Firefox. Mm-hmm. And like Josh said, you know, all the YouTube videos that people have been putting on there, no, that's Almost all of which are really very uh, hysterical and entertaining mm-hmm. and whatever. Including, uh, I'll put they, the uh, Vern Troyer thing on there for you. Click here to uh, download plugin. Yeah, we'll download the plugin. It doesn't you, work. You have to do that with Internet Explorer, too, when you first get your computer. Uh, it's, just, it's just a hassle, man. It's a pen in the ass. I don't want to start all over again. I don't want to start from scratch. All right. There's like a, a big gap in the technology, a gaping gap. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? No, I, I know what you're saying, but nevertheless... 1444, but that's a nice number. We'll get to 15 real easy today. No stress, no pressure, baby. Just the way we like it. A brother of Pat Tillman, the National Football League player, was killed in combat in Afghanistan after leaving his sports career to serve in the Army, has lashed out at the Iraq War in an essay published online. The brother, Kevin Tillman, who was in the same Army Ranger unit as Pat Tillman, a corporal was killed on April 22, 2004, by so-called friendly fire, under circumstances that the Pentagon continues to investigate, sharply criticized American political leadership and called the war an illegal invasion. You know what I would say to him? I have no life. No, I would say... Absolutely correct, sir. Both. Somehow, the more soldiers that die, the more legitimate the illegal invasion becomes, Tillman wrote in the 660-word essay that was posted last week on truthdig.com, a web magazine offering news and opinion from a progressive point of view. Somehow, Mr. Tillman added, American leadership, whose only credit is lying to its people and illegally invading a nation, has been allowed to steal the courage, virtue, and honor of its soldiers on the ground. In what are apparently his most expansive public remarks since the death of his brother at the age of 27, he also doesn't spare the American public, which he suggests too often relies on superficial gestures to support the troops instead of holding politicians accountable. 
Isn't that what it always is? If you don't support the war, you don't support our troops. I mean, what kind of a moron have you got to be to buy into that crap? Somehow back at home, support for the soldiers meant having a five-year-old kindergartner scribble a picture with crayons and send it overseas, or slapping stickers on cars, or lobbying Congress for an extra pad and a helmet he wrote. Mr. Tillman ended with the suggestion that the elections on November 7th are an opportunity for people opposed to the war to send a message. Remember Joey Zaza was sending a message? Zaza. Luckily, this country is still democracy, he wrote. People still have a voice. People can still take action. It can start after Pat's birthday, November 6th. How do you like that? My birthday's November 5th, and Pat's birthday was November 6th. That's something? Big deal. That's something. Despite Pat Tillman's fame and the outpouring of emotion after his death, the Tillman family has generally kept a distance from anti-war protesters, though they've often spoken of their efforts to find the truth about what really happened. Family members didn't answer messages for comment on Kevin Tillman's posting. A spokeswoman for the Pat Tillman Foundation in San Jose, California, where the Tillmans grew up, said, It's our understanding that Kevin Tillman is not accepting interview requests. Pat Tillman, safety for the Arizona Cardinals, left the team in the spring of 2002 to join the Army along with Kevin, motivated in part by the 9-11 attacks and eventually training as a ranger. After a stint in Iraq, the brothers were sent to Afghanistan. Pat Tillman died, the Army eventually concluded, after members of his own unit shot him as they searched for enemy fighters in a canyon in southeastern Afghanistan. An Afghan soldier fighting next to him also died. Kevin Tillman's essay was posted as Pentagon investigators close in on the latest of several investigations into the case. Initially, the Army had suggested that enemy fire had killed Pat Tillman. Later, the Army conceded that his comrades had shot him. That so-called friendly fire. Hey, friend. Oh, is that what Nancy Grace always says? Hey, friend. Under pressure from the family and members of Congress, the Inspector General of the Defense Department and the Army Criminal Investigation Command are examining the actions of members of Mr. Tillman's unit and the initial investigation. Daniel Cohn, spokesman for Representative Michael Honda of California, Democrat from San Jose who pushed for the investigations, said Pentagon representatives said a month ago they expected to complete their work by the end of November or early December. A spokesman for the Pentagon said Monday investigations were continuing. He declined to comment on Kevin Tillman's essay. Robert Shear, one of our favorite syndicated columnists in the Truth Dig, said he had written about the case and had spoken to family members in the past. Kevin Tillman's article was not solicited, Shear said, and the site agreed, he and the, uh, the site agreed Tillman's conditions for posting it. The conditions were it be posted unchanged aside from grammatical editing, including the headline he had written after Pat's birthday. Mr. Shear said Tillman had made it known that after leaving the military last year, he felt now was the time to speak out with his brother's birthday approaching. Pat Tillman also had expressed anger about the war to friends, several published reports have said. He's not proselytizing. He's not a political person, Shear uh, said of Kevin Tillman. He just decided because his birthday was coming up, he felt strongly he had to say something. Since the article went up on the website, it's received more than 4,000 responses. The web server limits have prohibited publishing that many, Shear said. 3,000 dead soldiers, pretty close to a 2,800-plus, based on a lie. If that's not an impeachable offense, what the hell could it be? Like getting a few BJs oh, from some fat some cow? Pizza, maybe. maybe stealing some pizza from Spider-Man. All for me! That would do it. Nick Winofrey can't refuse. Well, that should show you all you delivery kids out there. Don't be leaving like a whole bunch of pizzas in somebody's stoop yeah, on your balcony. balcony on like the Don't be a seventh floor. <clears throat> Guy looked like he was about to just chomp into that slice. Then he was just about to take a bite, and all of a sudden, what a wicked web we yeah. weave when we practice to the sea. Yoink. You know? Isn't that what Mo used to say? Something like that. Yeah. Evil. Evildoer. 1,457 votes out of the poll, man. This is spectacular. What do Americans do better than anyone else in the world? Thanks to whoever sent that poll in yesterday, because every, obviously uh, they like this poll, right? Mm-hmm. In fact, you know what I forgot? What I never put I hate this poll on there. Ah, I see. You better put it on there right now. We will. Boy, here I'm all optimistic and thinking, boy, they like this poll. There, there, there's that certain element of, out there they don't like anything. They just, <laughs> they just hate like that. 
Spend money on crap, 427. Stay stupid, 250. Deny reality, 215. Make war, 127. Kill, 108. Yeah, kill people. Pollute, 90. Waste time, 58. Movies, 56. Screw, 46. Wouldn't that be, that would be a good station. Screw, 46. I'd like to. Party slash get intoxicated, 27. Lie, 23. Medicine, 20. And drive badly, solamente 10. Soltanto 10. banana. <laughs> well, at least we learned something yesterday. We learned that the word for a banana in Italian is banana. Sure. And I still, oh, I hate this pulls on there. Now we have 1461. Excellent work. Aren't you excited about this business? Like, make the hair on your back of your neck like, uh, what? do something? I don't, I don't know. Well, if I had any, it would stand up. Oh. I got hair on the back of my neck. In fact, I just did my shave job last night with that razor I told you about. Mm-hmm. I just did a uh, shave job. I'm an expert at it now. And, of course, now that it's colder than hell, probably not all the smartest thing, but as long as you got your toque, you're okay. You ever have a toque? Uh, yeah. Not a toque, a toque. Both. Oh. Now, is the toque the really flat kind? Like, you know, it folds up flat? What do you mean it folds up flat? Well, what does no, that mean? No, as to, like, your typical round hats, a toque has a seam down the middle of it, and so when you take it off, it just kind of flattens yeah, out. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Then, yes, yeah. I had a toque. It's a schmata, man. You got a toque? Can't be up, no, you can't, certainly can't be in Canada without a toque. That's right. Or some back bacon. Or some pea meal bacon. 1256 at 560 WQM. I've been doing business with our friends at Lubac Road Chevrolet for over 20 years, and I hope you'll start doing it right now if you never bought a car there before, because they make it a great experience, a car buying deal. They make it a real machaya. Their service, their salespeople, their selection of cars are unbeatable, and their prices are beyond belief. That's how low they are right now. And... Speaking of right now, Lou Backroad is doing their race to a thousand. For the first time in their history, they would like to sell a thousand cars in one month, and they got a shot at doing it in this month, October. And they're going to do it. They've got the biggest selection of new and used cars, including those fabulous new Corvettes, trucks, SUVs, and minivans anywhere around. They've also got used cars starting at just thirty-nine ninety-five. Every single one of them backed by a Carfax guarantee too. Like I said, Lou Backroad is out to sell a thousand cars during this month of October, and so they're staying open till midnight every night to get to that number. Forget the price, just make them an offer, and they'll beat any deal you ever heard of in your life. More money for your trade. They give you 0% financing, rebates up to six grand. Whatever it takes, they'll do it to sell you a car. Only at Lou Backroad Chevy with two great locations for you. In Pompano Beach, a quarter mile west of I-95, and in Coconut Creek on 441, just south of the Sawgrass Expressway. Don't forget, Lou Backroad stand open till midnight every night. So if you want an unbeatable deal, you still have a few days left this month. Get over to Lou Backroad right now for the best deal on Chevy you'll ever see in your life. Check out their website, Lou Backroad. B-A-C-H-R-O-D-T, LouBackRoad.com. The biggest names, the best talent. This is Neil Rogers. Force Radio 560. Q-A-L. Since Felix Leader has won, Natasha and I no longer have to look for a moose and squirrel. Instead, we listen to the Neil Rogers Fair and Balance 1-2 to two Hour. <laughs> She can't walk in a straight line I get a kick out of the way that she wants to see me Should have used my brain about the way that she wanted to screw me. Yeah, the house was late, and would have been a lonely kiss if I didn't want to have her. Just another skanky group. 
back. Wow. Boy, you got them both there. You got a little uh, the Bushmeister and a little bit of Rita. Oh, oh boy. Well, this is the hour you can start hearing Rita all over what the a place. Treat. Puts a real smile on my puss. Faced with widespread disapproval of its Iraq policy, the Bush administration has launched a coordinated effort this week to convince Americans that it has never had a state-of-course strategy in Iraq. On Sunday, Bush said, we've never said, we've never been state-of-course. White House Counselor Dan Bartlett disavowed the later look again yesterday. But in a radio interview with Sean Hannity yesterday, Defense Secretary Rumsfeld confirmed the Bush administration is, is not planning to shift any strategy. Rumsfeld called media reports about Bush's reversal nonsense and said, of course, Bush is not backing away from staying the course. He said the current concern was that it gave opponents the chance to say, well, he's not willing to make adjustments. And, of course, just the opposite is true. Well, what, just playing semantics, man. They're backed into a corner, and so they're just uh, playing semantical games, okay? Is that a surprise? No. No. Gee, no. 1,474 votes. I think by the bottom of the hour we'll have 1,500. After that, it'll be all gravy. We'll be slopping the gravy on there. Won't that be great? Yeah, it makes its own. Man, this audience, I'll tell you one thing about this audience, you know, and what have I always tried to tell you over the years? Don't judge the audience by the callers. Oh, no. Of course, on the show now, when I'm on, you can't judge the audience by the callers because there aren't any. Right. But in years past, people would say, oh, gee, what kind of people listen to that show? And then you hear some, ah, ah, I mean, like that. Because when push comes to shove, man, they come through for us. I'll tell you, the rest of the day, the sports nerds, if they came through for their people, like our people come through for our, us people. Well, there aren't as many of those people. Because there's no people like show people. And there's no uh, sports people like, uh, I don't know. There aren't as many sports people as some of these folks think there are. That's well, the they're all in here inside this building. <laughs> we always said that. We always said that, that there were certain day parts when uh, the only people listening were, in fact, when the fan went on. Remember that? Mm -hmm. The only people they had listening were inside our building. That's right. And I wouldn't be surprised if half the people listening to the ticket right now are inside our building. Only half. Especially in midday when we're not talking about sports and moaning about, oh, the Dolphins, what are we going to do? They stink. Oh, jeez. And the half. Canes and all this embarrassment. And the Panthers' goaltending really sucks. And all of the, you know, just, you, you just reach a saturation point, you know what? You know what I mean? Do and I? This comes yeah. a point in your life where hopefully. What do I do if? See, there you go. Oh, my God. Isn't that scary? Yeah, it scared me. 1477. I bet. I bet you any minute now we're going to get to that 1500 mark in the audience out there. They're probably having like an orgy. The whole town is like going to explode any second. 1478. Now they're coming in by the pouring in by the ones. Aren't you thrilled? Yeah, thrilled. Maybe they'll drag it out. Automated calls from political campaigns across America are generating controversy. Reports National Journal's Technology Daily. But the robocalls have not exactly provided some candidates in close races with the kind of attention they need heading into November, writes Michael Martinez. Oh, Michael Martinez, another guy whose name ends in Z. Although their classification as political speech exempts them from the National Do Not Call Registry against unwanted telemarketing, robocalls have generated bad publicity for some of the campaigns that have used them. The article uses the example of Democrat Larry Grant challenging Republican Bill Sally for the open Idaho 1st District seat. Bill says, don't call me Sally. Earlier this fall, complaints about automated calls swirled among potential voters who were receiving information about Grant by phone, writes Martinez, whose name ends in Z. Some of the complaints were directed to Grant's office. Grant's campaign did not make the calls, though. The National Republican Congressional Committee has assumed responsibility for the robocalling operation and moved that the Grant campaign called a desperation measure by the GOP. Robocalling is ruffling feathers in other races, too. This past week, complaints surfaced in Michigan about automatic calls that were critical of Governor Jennifer Granholm, who's in a tight race with her Republican challenger, Dick DeVos. The calls contained slightly vulgar language that some who received them found offensive. Maybe they said crap. She don't know crap. 
Campaign laws in Michigan don't require the senators of robocalls to identify themselves. A group calling itself Michigan Working Families took responsibility for the messages at the end of the recordings. The Michigan Republic Party has, of course, denied any involvement, of course. Automated calls have also been used to raise awareness about ballot initi- initiatives. Senator Swillery Clinton recently lent her voice to calls in California against a proposal to require minors seeking abortions notify their parents or get waivers from a judge. You getting any robocalls? No, of course, we don't answer our home phone anymore. Oh, there is a Quasimodo, the soon-to-be former Speaker of the House. 1486. Well, wasn't that a spectacular year? Don't remember it. That's the year that uh, Christopher Columbus was schlepping around looking for the Queen. How old were you, 12? Yeah. I got news for you. I was able to find a Queen uh-huh. a lot faster than he was. I heard. 1486. We'll get to that 1500, like I said, before the bottom of the hour. And after that, man, we'll just pile it on, you know? Just run up the score. Just stick it right down their throats. Baker signals U.S. exit from Iraq. Do we care about that? No. Well, here's what we care about. You were talking to this, uh, about this this morning Sorry. before the show. About the Republicans want Hillary badly. Oh, All those yeah. people out there that think Hillary is the, uh, uh-huh. that she's going to be the one in 08, you better start thinking again, okay, because yeah. 08, she won't be so great. Here's the kiss of death. Vice President Dick Cheney said yesterday he thinks Senator Hillary Rodham Clinton could win the presidency. He said Barack Obama might be viewed by voters as too inexperienced. Cheney handicapped the Democratic field of potential candidates in an interview with conservative talk show host, the unctuous, the repulsive Sean Hannity. I think Hillary Clinton is a formidable candidate, Cheney said. This, of course, is the same man who said that the insurgency in Iraq was in its waning days. He would never lie to us. I think she could win. I hope she doesn't. I disagree with her on nearly all the issues, but nobody should underestimate her. She's a very serious candidate for president, says Dick. Cheney said Obama, an Illinois Democrat, was an attractive guy. Don't know him well. Met him a few times. I think at this stage my initial take on him was he's been two years as a senator. I think people want a little more experience than that, given the nature of the times we live in. But certainly he's an attractive candidate. If he decides to run, he'll be a player on the Democratic side. I never thought he was very attractive. He's got big ears. Obama said Sunday he's considering a run for president in 2008, backing off previous statements that he wouldn't do so. He left the door open. He left a little crack. As for himself, Cheney said he wouldn't budge from his off-state decision. He will not run for president. It's firm, final, fixed, irrevocable, the vice president said. I don't know how else I can say it. If nominated, I will not run. If elected, I will not serve. Fat chance, you lying sack of crap. Cheney also said he was optimistic about Republican hopes in the November 7th elections. I think we'll hold the House and the Senate, he said. See, they always quote thee like Bush said the same thing. What do they expect them to say? From adopting. Meanwhile, Time Magazine reports that David Banda's father says he won't try to win the boy back. Time now for a check of the forecast. NBC Weather Plus meteorologist Kristen Cornett. It's, it just, it's happening, and you just can't believe it. Surreal doesn't even come close to describing it. It's like it's a joke. It's like watching a Saturday Night Live sketch. It's, it's so far beyond anything that you can even comprehend, the fact that she is actually on the air there. A person who mm-hmm. cannot speak is a broadcaster. It'd be like somebody who's had their vocal cords surgically removed. Well, let's put you on to do the 6 o'clock news. You know, that might explain that sound, too. What's that? Her sound. I think she's had her vocal cords surgically removed. Maybe just a little scratch. That's Kristen. Come on. Let's give us some good news. (laughs) Oh. Oh. Wow. Yeah. And the fact that there actually are people who watch it and take it seriously. No. This is even more distressing. Oh, yeah. Some of those fat children housewives. That I do not believe. I bet you they love her. Of course, I guess, I guess they got her signed to a contract, so they got to pay her, so they figure they'll stick her ass on there somewhere. Plus, she's so uh, attractive. <laughs> yeah, she must have the pictures. 1495. Wow, plus tax. When we come back after this break, we're going to have over 1,500 votes, and they're going to be, if you would open up the door downstairs and run across the street, out just in the middle of uh, Ives Dairy, in the middle of uh, 441, mm-hmm. 
you're going to hear screaming and hysteria going on when we get to 1,500 votes because they think they're making inroads here in midday. And now, of course, that uh, the, that other that news station, which, you know, that's one of the most mysterious things. If you look on that website, uh, it, it's kind of like they don't know what the hell they got on here. The biggest names, the best talent. This is Neil Rogers. Nice going, Norma. Radio 560 QAM. Thank it, baby. The father of a one-year-old Malawian boy... 1,506 votes. ...by Madonna says he's happy his son is escaping poverty. Local officials say the pop star plans to adopt a child while she's in the country, visiting a project that she funds for AIDS orphans. Relatives say the star and her husband, Guy Ritchie, are to adopt David Bander. Maybe there has been confusion with the name Donna. Donna is colloquial for rich woman, and Madonna, the star. I still have things I want to do and things I want to say. And, you know, if people want to hear it, then that's great. Went to Malawi the other night. The material girl, she wants a kid who's from another nation. Her and Guy felt that it was right. Since Brad and Angelina went and gave them inspiration. I've always felt that my kids are around the world. They arrived just the other day, shopping for a kid and spending money like on vacation. Guy turned to her as if to say, it does appear that one of the world's richest superstars has adopted a 13-month-old boy. Oh, this could be just another one of those stupid uh, publicity stunts that she's famous for. Could no, it be? Oh, no. Right. That's what she wants. 118 at 560. WKM, I got Curtis for the Mad Dog at 2, the uh, Power Hour with Hank Solo. He's going to be doing it by himself at 4. I'm sure he's got plenty of practice. Uh, 5 to 630, it's uh, the rest of the Hank Goldberg show. Panther preview, 630 to 7, followed by the Panthers at the Rangers at 7 o'clock. Then the Eddie K show. Eddie looks really old in that picture. He looks about 90. Good guy, though. He looks old. The co-founders of Air America Radio have formed a new liberal talk radio network. Just what we needed, man. Maybe that this promises, will work. That promises to promote freedom and social justice. That's according to the new company CEO, Mike Newcomb, who said, by the way, you'll be pleased to know that not only have we got 1,506 votes, i got my shoes on. Mike mm-hmm. Newcomb says Nova M Radio, a Phoenix-based network formed by Air America co-founders Anita and Sheldon Drobny, will make its first broadcast October 30th. About 30, man. Shortly before Air America filed for bankruptcy earlier this month, Newcomb said he and the Drobnies made a proposal to take a controlling interest in Scare America, but the offer was declined two weeks before the company's reorganization petition was filed. Newcomb said the new network is a competitor to Air America and that the Drobnies invested in Nova M Radio because they believed in the business model of liberal talk radio and wanted it to continue to grow. The Drobnies and Newcomb are the principal investors in Nova M Radio and plan to seek additional investors. With strong management and good financial controls, we believe this is a very viable business, and we plan to demonstrate this such, said Newcomb, a physician who made an unsuccessful bid for Arizona governor in 2002. The new network will include shows by hosts Mike Malloy and Peter B. Collins. Oh, man. Who are they? Never heard of them. And a nonpartisan program by pollster John Zogby. Newcomb, who previously had a show on Phoenix Area Radio, will also host a show. Joe Trippi, you upped on Howard David, I mean Howard Dean's Internet Field presidential campaign in 2004, will also serve as a media communications consultant for the network. Nova M Radio is leasing and running KPHX AM Radio in Phoenix 
and KDXCAM in Little Rock, Arkansas, and has commitments from other stations to run its programming. The network also intends to lease or buy other stations, Newcomb said. Oh, my God. How do you like that? Yeah. Another liberal uh, network, a uh, phantom network. They're in Phoenix. They're in Little Rock. They're in uh, Syracuse, I understand, maybe. Yeah. Canandaigua. Setting the world on fire. East McKeesport. Man. It's like a, the gigantic wave of liberal talk. Just flooding the airwaves. <laughs> what a joke. Well, yeah, speaking of that. Oh, breaking news. There's Senator Barbara Boxer of California. What's she hawking about? In terms of 2,700 plus Americans headed toward 2,800, if we haven't already passed it, plus 20,000 and more severely damaged and injured. Enough is enough. Tell us how we're going to get out of Iraq and do it in a way where the Iraqis feel that, yes, we have made the sacrifice. The headline on there, President Bush mocks Democrats for dancing in the end zone. Huh. Sounds like a racial thing to me. Mm-hmm. Fish is still not a healthy choice. So, and this is from the Providence Journal. Do you eat fish? Sometimes. Ooh. What about you, Josh? You a fish guy? Oh, yeah. Ugh. Like trout? Well, ocean fish, mostly. The, the, I don't the, the, the trout in my time. Lots of mercury. It's a whopper of a fish to rain. Unfortunately, it says here, some consumers are swallowing it hook, line, and sinker. For years, the fishing industry has worked overtime to persuade Americans to ignore well-founded concerns about mercury and other pollutants in fish. Now the industry is having a new report commissioned by the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration as more evidence that fish is a healthy food. But as a physician and nutritionist, we are deeply skeptical of the industry's spin campaign. This is written by um, Hope Ferdosi, an MD, public health specialist with the Physicians Committee for Responsible Medicine, and Susan Levin, who is a PCRM nutritionist. It says heart disease can be warded off by wise food selections, but fish is not an optimal choice. High levels of methylmercury, organochlorines, polychlorinated PCBs, and other environmental toxins accumulate in fish. These toxins are known to affect nervous system development, the immune system, heart health, bone integrity, and pregnancy outcomes. All of these All of these things. things. Even those who endorse fish consumption readily admit that contamination is a pervasive problem. The NOAA Commission report, for example, contains a complicated flowchart noting that contaminants in seafood vary according to local conditions. In truth, fish consumption is already Americans' primary source of exposure to mercury, a potent neurotoxin that can harm developing fetuses. Some of the most polluted species, such as albacore tuna, are also among the most popular with consumers. Some of the most polluted species, such as albacore tuna. Do you get that? I got it. No more tuna. The risks are especially acute for certain populations. A new study links fish consumption among pregnant women to an increased risk of premature birth. The Pregnancy Outcomes and Community Health Study, conducted by researchers at Harvard and Michigan State, showed that mercury levels in maternal hair were higher when fish consumption was increased. Women who delivered... I think some of these people don't know mercury from the Uranus. Women who delivered preterm were three times as likely to have had mercury levels in their hair at or above the 90th percentile compared with those who delivered at term. Proponents defend fish consumption as a boon to cardiovascular health. That's because some species contain omega-3 fatty acids, which may help guard against heart disease. But fish are also surprisingly high in cholesterol and artery-clogging saturated fat, which accounts for 15 to 30 percent of fish fat. Chinook salmon, for example, derives 55 percent of its calories from fat. Don't be a schnook and eat chinook. And some species are higher in cholesterol than steak. Only part of the fat in fish is omega-3. Much of the remaining fat is saturated. Maybe that's a good idea to take those omega-369 uh, vitamins like I do every morning and have for years. Maybe that's mm -hmm. why I'm still alive. Maybe. That raises an important question. It says, why not avoid fish and obtain omega-3 fats from walnuts or other healthy plant sources which have no cholesterol or methylmercury? 
In fact, a new study in the American Journal of Cardiology shows that adding walnuts to a high-fat meal reduces negative changes in arteries. Walnuts. Walnuts increase the elasticity and flexibility of the arteries by 24% for those with high cholesterol. Walnuts. I like walnuts, right. okay? I like cashews better. Me too. It would also be prudent to consider that there may be no significant benefit to consuming a diet high in omega-3s. A recent review in the British Medical Journal found that no, no evidence to support the assertion that eating oily fish improves heart health. In fact, the review found that consumption of omega-3 fats does not have a clear effect on heart health or survival. But there's a well-supported way to guard against heart disease. Avoid animal products. Uh-oh. You know what this sounds like to me? Sounds like... Peter. Uh-oh. A 2003 study in the Journal of the American Medical Association showed that vegetarian diets lower cholesterol levels almost as powerfully as cholesterol-lowering drugs, those awful statin drugs, which I won't take, by the way. People who consume plant-based diets tend to be slimmer than meat eaters, and they experience lower rates of heart disease, diabetes, high blood pressure, and other life-threatening conditions linked to overweight and obesity. Have a bunch of kale, man. Sit down and eat some seaweed. It says, it's no surprise the fishing industry wants to sell Americans more fish, but savvy consumers will think twice before taking the bait. Don't get hooked uh, on that uh, Chinook. Don't get hooked on the Chinook, okay? Okay. Or you'll be dying over there. I just, I, I can't even stand the smell of fish. Oh, oh, like those outdoor markets. I've talked about this a zillion times. Yeah, well, it's not supposed to smell like that. Well, what do you mean by that? Well, What's it supposed to smell like? Smell. Yeah, okay. That's the like, rotten like a ro- fish smell. Like a rose garden? Like sure. gardenias? Uh-huh. Like pansies? Oh, not just like pansies. Oh, have a wedding November 18th. Oh, Tom Katz Italian wedding. Oh, it's in Quanta Banana. That's what I'm sending them. Yeah, I'm sending them 50 bananas. <laughs> Tom Katz wedding my ass. Oh, boy. He is? I hadn't confirmed it. And you always see these sort of majestic oh, weddings. Lake Cuomo is a very, very beautiful area. Giorgio Armani is designing her gown for her uh, fake marriage to Tom. wonder what his boyfriend thinks about that. Anyway, let me tell you right now, if your carpets are schmutzy, and believe you me, they are, because you're walking on them, your dogs are doing all kinds of things on them, and your cats, and all kinds of things are slithering around in there that you can't see. Get your carpets clean just like brand new with my friends from Dry Concepts. I've been using them for over 21 years. They never let you down. They do a fantastic job. They dry clean your carpets, which means they suck out even the deep down dirt in the fibers of your carpets, which makes them stay cleaner longer, last longer, and look and uh, smell just like brand new, lemony fresh. And they're drying a couple of hours, too, so it's not one of those deals where your carpets are soggy all day and you have to wait days for them to dry. You can't beat it. And don't forget, Dry Concepts has also got a plan to make frequent cleaning easy at just a fraction of the cost of regular cleaning. And speaking of cost, they give you a written guaranteed price up front before they start their fabulous job, too. You'll never have a dirty carpet again if you call Dry Concepts. In Broward, call them at 954-370-7778. Tell them that old troll Neil told you to call, the old man. 954-370-7778. In Dayton, Palm Beach, call them toll-free, 1-800-248-5071. 1-800-248-5071 for Dry Concepts. The biggest names, the best talent. This is Neil Rogers, Sports Radio 560 AM. Mel Gibson surrounded by questions about alcohol and anger, but also questions about anti-Semitism and the words that incited outrage after an explosive public drama. We interviewed Mel Gibson at his office. Take me back to that moment as you remember it. Okay. Were you drinking from the open bottle of tequila in the car? Yes. I had a couple of slugs, yeah. Do you know how many? Uh, 20. (laughs) I read to him the officer's account of the words he used that night. Expletive Jews. And the Jews are responsible for all the wars in the world. Yeah. I do not believe tequila can turn an unbiased person into a raging anti-Semite. Look, 
let me be real clear here in sobriety, sitting here in front of you, national television, that I believe that Jews are responsible for all the wars in the world. You're still blaming the Jews. Absolutely. I hate you and I want you to die. Coming up. Couple of drinks. Wait a minute. Alcohol. Oh, yeah. I'd have to get loaded again. 1528 at 560. WQM, that's our total on the pool, man. We are pretty, aren't we mighty proud of that? I think I might just take the rest of the week off just to celebrate that. What do you think? All right. Rest of the year off. Don't do it. Former U.N. Chief Weapons Inspector Hans Buix today described the U.S.-led invasion of Iraq as a pure failure that had left the country worse off than under the dictatorial rule of Saddam Hussein. Isn't that what a lot of us have been saying, huh? Yeah. In unusually harsh comments to Danish newspaper Politiken, the Democratic Swede, the diplomatic Swede, said the U.S. government ended up in a situation in which neither staying nor leaving Iraq were good options. Iraq is a pure failure, Blix was quoted as saying. That's Hans Blix. If the Americans pull out, there's a risk that they'll leave a country in civil war. At the same time, it doesn't seem that the U.S. can help stabilize the situation by staying there. War-related violence in Iraq has grown worse with dozens of civilians, government officials and police, and security forces being killed every day. The highest monthly toll of American soldiers in October and the month still got almost a week to go. Blix said the situation would have been better off if the war had not taken place. Saddam would still have been sitting in office. Okay, that's a negative, And it would not have been uh, joyful for the Iraqi people. But what we've gotten to is undoubtedly worse, he was quoted as saying. Blix led the U.N. inspectors that searched for those weapons of mass destruction in Iraq before the U.S.-led invasion in 2003. He came under heavy fire from Washington when he urged U.S. President Bush to allow the weapons inspectors and the IAEA to continue their work as a way to stave off a war. Ultimately, the U.S.-led coalition invaded Iraq. And how many weapons of destruction were found? None. You go, Hans. You go, boy. American public, focus on those issues versus Iraq. Well, Rita, I think... Uh, oh, brother. It is scary. Yeah. You know that the world must be coming to an end when you turn her, when she's actually on TV, on, on the satellite all over the world? It's got to be. The, the end uh, days must be coming uh -huh. very close. That's one of the signs that's in the Bible, Revelation. Yeah. Her picture's in there. A major effort to draw Latinos and blacks into the Republican Party, a central element of the GOP plan to build a long-lasting majority is in danger of collapse amid anger over the immigration debate and claims that Republican leaders have not delivered on promises to direct more money to church-based social services. President Bush, strategist Karl Rove, and other top Republican leaders have wooed Latino and black leaders, many of them evangelical clergy who lead large congregations in hopes of peeling away the traditional Democratic base. They want all the Getschkis. It's not good enough for them they got the Anglo Getschkis. They want all the other Getschkis, too. But now some of the leaders who helped Bush win in 2004 are revisiting their loyalty to the Republican Party, in some cases abandoning it. There is a fissure, and I doubt it will be closed in this election, said the Reverend Luis Cortez, Jr., Luis, a Republican who founded the annual National Hispanic Prayer Breakfast that has featured Bush every year since 2002. His Philadelphia-based Esperanza USA boasts a national affiliate network of more than 10,000 churches. The Latino backlash has grown so intense that one prominent, typically pro-Republican organization, the Latino Coalition, has endorsed Democrats in competitive races this year in Tennessee, Nebraska, and New Jersey. The coalition is chaired by Hector Barreto, the former administrator of the SBA, the Small Business Administration, under Bush. Its president is a former strategist for the Republican National Committee. The disaffection comes as Republicans face a challenge in building enthusiasm for the upcoming election among white evangelicals and other conservatives who have been the core of the GOP's losses in the November 7th congressional election and may undercut the party's goal of keeping the presidency in 2008. The Latino Coalition, for example, has endorsed the presumed Democratic presidential frontrunner Swillery in her re-election bid this year. Complaints among black pastors have been courted by the White House, while less pronounced than those of Latino leaders, have been fueled by that tell-all book by former White House aide David Quo. 
The book says that Bush, referring to pastors from one major African-American denomination, once griped, money, all these guys care about is money, they want money. A White House spokesman said Friday that nobody there recalled ever hearing such a comment from the president. The Reverend Eugene River is a Boston Pentecostal minister and one of about two dozen black clergy invited to a series of White House meetings with Bush, said Friday that black leaders had been wooed with assurances that their social service groups would receive money from the president's faith-based initiative. But River said the bulk of the money had gone to white organizations, leaving black churches on the sidelines while the Democrats were dancing in the end zone. <laughs> I see that. Dancing in the end zone. Yeah, yeah. Wow. What the hell does that mean? His mom went at the store selling popcorn for a troop fundraiser when the man grabbed the boy's money and ran off. The community is helping Brennan recoup his losses through donations. How terrible. Oh, how terrible, Rita. You tell him, honey. What a joke. And you wonder why most of the American people are like, like that. Of course, thank goodness most of the American people are watching this bitch. 1,531 votes on the poll. You know, we should have gone for 16. Should have. It's e easy to say now, you know. You set a goal, and then you're, like, way beyond it. And you say, oh, we shouldn't have just gone and settled for 15. We should have gone for 16. <laughs> but we better not play that. 15 <laughs> what? We can't play anything anymore. We apologize again for the fact that we can't play anything that might be even slightly amusing or sexually related or having to do with organs or whatever. Even if it's here, a war, we can sir. play this. Yeah, we can play that a lot. In fact, we can play it. Yeah. Let's do the show in Morse code. In fact, you know what? I said, let's get right down there. Let's let's have one happy family. You know, let's see if we can't just get those fractions like some of the other day parts have got now. How about them dolphins? No, I'm not talking about that. Let's let's for the the uh, fall book. We'll just we'll just play that all day. You think we can get it down uh, to point nine? And once in a while, we'll throw it into a one of those kind of like. Fifteen thirty one. What do Americans do better than anyone else in the world? Spend money on crap. Four hundred and forty nine. Although you'll be amazed to know that Americans are exporting crap at a very very rapid rate. Any crap you can get in America, you go anywhere in the world. You go, oh, there's some of that American crap. Stay stupid. Two sixty eight. Deny reality. Two two two. Make war. One hundred and thirty. Kill. One hundred eleven. Kill people. Pollute. Ninety five. Waste time. Sixty. Movies. Fifty seven. Screw. Forty seven. The old in out. Party slash get intoxicated, 32. Lie, 24. Medicine, 21. Drive badly, 10. And I hate this pool. Only five. Now, I realize we just put that on there, but that is a shocker, isn't it? Yeah, well, all, all the haters already voted. No, seriously. Only 5.3% out of 1,534 votes, which means we're really making some serious inroads, Joel. The audience is making a big comeback. Wait till that August disappears for them. Remember last year they had that one month, I think it was April of uh, 2005? When they had that big 18 to 34, they had a few wired diaries or some crap. Oh, that's going to be our demo. We're going to kick in. And then all of a sudden, you know, that disappeared. So we may not have much of a story here 20 hours a day. Let me tell you that. That's an understatement. But they ain't got, uh, once that August drops off, they ain't got no story, no day, no way. The biggest names. The I like that one hour. Oh, this point. Oh, that's my favorite thing. Force Radio 560. Oh, oh. Absolutely. Never washed his hair or seemed to have a care, Cobain. His name was Kurt, now he's pushing up dirt, Cobain. Wiping drool from his chin, doing heroin, Cobain. 
Nirvana was high, and now it's Kurt. They ain't got Cobain. He got high, said goodbye, then he died. Cobain. Made a million an hour, never took a shower. Cobain. He's a number one hit in heaven's big mosh pit. Cobain. He'll meet Elvis the King and say grunge was my thing, Cobain. So if you're filled with doubt, don't take Kurt's way out, Cobain. He got high, said goodbye, then he died, Cobain. I just had a brilliant idea for a great new format: W D E D, all dead artists. Excellent. Dead radio. Well, we can relate to that some parts, someday parts. Yeah, the dead air show. 1,542 votes on a poll, man. It is overpowering. It is impressive. I'm going to put like a little note in my shoe. 1,542 rhymes with shoe and Jew. I got my shoes on. I already told you that. Mm-hmm. Convenience store operator 7-Eleven Inc. is telling franchises to pull a high-caffeine drink from its shelves because of the product's name. That's why I just played that in case you haven't figured that out. I cocaine. See. You can't be drinking no cocaine. Oh, I thought things went better with coke. You yeah. do. You stir it in there. The company acted after getting complaints from parents of teens who are a big part of the drink's target audience. Our merchandising team believes the product's name promotes an image which we don't want to be associated with, said Margaret Chabris, a spokeswoman for 7-Eleven. Chabris. We're just plain bris. Cocaine comes in red cans with the name spelled out and what are meant to resemble lines of white powder. According to the label, each 8.4 fluid ounce can contains 280 milligrams of caffeine, more jolt than a cup of coffee, a can of Coca-Cola, or leading energy drink, Red Bull, but no cocaine, of course. The drink is made by Redux, Be- Redux Beverages of Las Vegas, which markets it as the legal alternative. Hannah Kirby, the company's managing partner, said 7-Eleven stores didn't account for many sales of the drink. It hit shelves in New York and California in August and is now available in more than a half a dozen states, mostly in mom-and-pop convenience and liquor stores. Get liquored up and then uh, drink a little cocaine. This isn't the first time cocaine has been yanked. Some stores in the New York area pulled the drink after local politicians complained. It's all part of the company's plan to stand out in the fast-growing energy drink market. We knew the name was going to be provocative, said Kirby, who has been James created the drink. Kirby said the company wasn't glorifying an illegal drug in the eyes of its young customers. Kids understand the difference between a controlled substance and an energy drink, she said. Chabris, the 7-Eleven spokeswoman, said the Dallas-based chain is recommending that franchisees not stock the drink. Chabris said a vendor that isn't recommended by 7-Eleven dropped the product off at some stores in Northern California. She said she didn't know how many stores carried it. 7-Eleven stores sell other energy drinks, which nutritionists warn can cause caffeine and sugar highs, followed by crashing lows among kids who consume them, sometimes several in a row. Researchers in Chicago reported this month they saw a surprisingly high number of cases of caffeine abuse over the past three years, including 12% that required hospital treatment. The average age of the victims was 21. They're ODing on caffeine, baby. Maybe they're Starbucking it, you think? That's possible. Because if you start Starbucking, then you know what you do after that. Rhymes no. with Starbucking. What? Shucking? Yeah, and driving. An ongoing satellite radio study from Bridge Rating says that while sales of satellite radios have been slow, in-store foot traffic for satellite radio has actually picked up. Oh, isn't today the day that, uh, what, what day was it? Oh, you're not talking about that Stern, Stern thing, thing, are you? I don't care. Uh, the sector's true tra- uh, retail sales, TRS, continue to be sluggish. 
Though retail activity for Rexham this week showed hints of recovery, but not at the expense of Sirius. Bridge also said that in interviews that are conducted at retail locations, renewals among current satellite subscribers continue to reside just under 50%, while Howard Stern motivated sales remain stagnant. Oh, stagnant. That could be why they're doing that two-a-day PR thing, is it? However, current consumer attitudes about satellite radio are significantly improved over the pre-holiday shopping rush in 2005. If these attitudes should turn into actual behavior over the next six weeks, the satellite radio industry may be able to improve on the year's disappointing growth curve. If this does not happen, the holiday shopping season may not be enough to generate sales comparable to last year. Third quarter results now show the satellite radio industry at just over 12 million subscribers, says Bridge, so its original forecast of 1.2 million fourth quarter subscribers may be trimmed if holiday marketing efforts are more sluggish than 2005. Based on the third quarter, bridge ratings also has reduced its yearly projections for satellite radio. Now estimates that XM will end the year with 7.7 million subscribers and Sirius with 5.9 million. Bridge also estimates original industry projections will increase in total 2006 satellite subscriptions of 6 million will now be closer to 4.5 million. With Sirius maintaining a 60% share this year with 2.7 million new subscribers compared to XM's 1.7. By years end, satellite radio's 13.5 million subscribers will represent approximately 4.5% of the U.S. population. Pretty slim. Narrowcasting. That's what narrowcasting like doing sports talk. Like talking about baseball cards 20 hours a day. You know, or like uh, talking about uh, coin collecting, numismatics. How about the collectible station? Wouldn't that be great? Ooh. We could have Mr. Ego on with Norma Kent. They can talk about baseball cards. Sure. I can talk about collecting stamps as a kid. Uh huh. Bottle caps. Magyar, uh, what was it? Magyar, uh, the Hungary? Magyar something. Huh? And Poland, Patska Polska. Well, see, when you have the stamps from all those foreign countries, man, you got a little, uh, little, got to speak a little uh, like uh, Cinquanta Banani, like that. <laughs> Seriously, if I ever see those people there again, I'm going to yell out, Acha Piki, I'm not Jalamazaria. Those are the only words I know that, like, you know. Well, you'll have to go online and, uh, you know, learn some new ones. I have learned appropriate a couple. ones. Like Bob. I'm going to yell them out right now. Like Baba Black Sheep. Or Babaloo. 1,551, you know, we would have made the 16 if Joshua had just been a little more optimistic at the beginning of the show at the get-go. I have been, man. Don't blame me. Have been what? Optimistic. About what? I was hoping for a 1,600 piece. 1,600 piece? Yeah. We got your piece. What do you think of that? Dead artist station. Sure. um, You got three out of four Beatles are dead. Yeah. And Ringo Starr might as well be. That goes to show there's no God. Oh, George Harrison on. is dead. John Lennon, Paul McCartney. What am I saying? The two of the four are dead. <laughs> right. <laughs> that was wishful thinking about Ringo. Ringo so, never stole a freight train. Why are you get so hard out of here? Because he was ugly and schmutzy. And couldn't and had no talent. Okay. What was his talent? He was a great drummer. Is that what you're saying? No, he was oh, a horrendous drummer. Okay, that's enough of that. Didn't Ringo remake that? He ripped that off. I'll rip that off. It's 16. Didn't he do yeah, that? Yeah, he did that. I was playing it in the background. You just didn't hear. I was trying not to hear. I don't want to hear no Ringo Starr. So Paul McCartney's still alive? How can you tell? You don't look it. Well, no thanks to Heather. But yeah, he's still kicking. All the dead artists, all the time. One of these two guys is dead. Okay, that's good enough. You don't like my four? WDED, all the all death radio. Have the doors on there, Jim Morrison. Yeah. Pasty Patsy Klein. See, it won't make any difference whether it's like rock or C&W. Or, just as long as they're dead. That's the only right. qualification. Play a lot of two-pack? Right. Well, not too much. How about a six-pack of uh, cocaine? 153 at QM. We, got, we shouldn't be talking like this because we got that young punk Curtis standing there. We don't have the Mad Dog, who's a real pervert. We got Curtis coming up at two. I guess Mad Dog's on vacation the rest of the week, huh? Maybe he went up to Michigan. 
Not a good time to be doing it. The biggest names, the best talents. This is Neil Rogers, Sports Radio 560, QA. 